inside of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 426. Andrew once again, back on the air after taking last week off. Unfortunately, I was a bit under the weather, but back to talk to you about basketball video games as always, which I do with my good friend Derek, aka Deeper 3. I'm happy to be here again, as always. Uh, Andrew, my brother and I cannot get enough of NBA Live 2000 for the PC. I mean, it, it holds up incredibly well. We've talked about the faces before, but but the gameplay, it, it's still fun today. We, we've played it. It's, it's still fun. Well, we've had a lot of conversations about it, me and my brother, um, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just to give people an idea, our listeners, an idea of how much we've been playing this game. So we're in a legend season. Uh, so we put a bunch of legends on the um, on the Celtics, and we're taking on the regular teams, and we're playing and we're playing every game against the computer co-op, twelve minute quarters. So all, every game is forty eight minutes, and we've played twenty five games in the last two weeks. That's a lot for two people, you know, with full time jobs and other responsibilities. And you know, I've been playing my my season with Stildo thirty three as well on NBA two K nineteen, and connecting with you on Parsec as well. So um. We have been playing it that much. And, you know, we were we were having conversations about why. Like, why are we so into this right now? Well, number one, we loved the game back in the day, right? Just like you did. Um, when it was a fresh new PC release, uh, we played the hell out of the PC version of NBA Live 2000 doing, you know, fantasy drafts and, you know, exhibition head-to-heads and even uh, dabbed, uh, dabbled a little bit in modding, I believe, at the time. Um, but we were talking about the gameplay recently and the gameplay is just has minimal frustrations. Like it's very straightforward. It makes sense. You know, the stealing mechanics, the blocking mechanics, the rebounding, um, you know, the way you get your shots off, the way you can get to your spots, all of it just kind of makes sense. And it has minimal frustration. And we're having a lot more fun playing a game like NBA Live 2000 than we are some of the newer 2Ks. Because, as you know, a lot of times with the newer 2Ks, you're, you're just fighting with the game. You are. No, it's, it's a much more satisfying experience. I mean, it's the same reason I'm playing 2K14, while you and I are going back and playing Live 10 and some of these older games that were very focused on that on-court experience and not you know making money you know the recurrent revenue mechanics that we've decried so often and we do so because they they are intrusive because when the game is built around them it's not optimized for fun but back in the day they certainly were i, I want to go back to a, a top 10 from a couple of weeks ago now when you posted that side-by-side uh, julius irving dunk from live 2000 and i want to say 2k17 was it um just just amazing how that uh, that cradle dunk in 2000 I mean, 2000 does have a fair amount of animations. I mean, it's from the late 90s, but but how good does that does that animation still look today? And and when it was put side by side with the newer one, you know, that was very cool. I, I liked that you did that in the top 10. That was uh, that was very fun to see. It held up. Like that animation in Live 2000 held up with the animation in NBA 2K17. Totally. I mean, they look like you reached out to me and you were like, "Wow, those look almost identical." Uh, the way he wielded his arm and then threw it down. Um, it looked just like Dr. J in both games. Uh, yeah, I, um, I've been trying to get a little bit more creative with the top 10 as well uh, and, you know, spice it up even more as time goes on. And I think that it's been going incredibly well. And we just hit our one-year year anniversary of the top 10. And, you know, I did kind of a celebratory theme um, this week and it's been received well. So that's been great. But, you know, it's funny, we're just absolutely addicted right now 
to the early 2000s and late 90s NBA Lives. I mean, we have a season going on NBA Live 2003. We have a season going on NBA Live 2004. NBA Live 99 will soon follow. And you and I connected, actually. And we played not only a game of NBA Live 10, which was a blast as usual. Is that ever not fun? Um, We played that. And then we also played a game of NBA Live 96. And I got you to play a full game with me on Lakers versus Celtics. What a fun session that was. I've been really, I, you know, I always love our sessions anyway, but, but yeah, that, that was a great session, just playing a little bit of everything uh, you were hosting. It was working great, as Parsec always does. Uh, that X pattern that you use for, to, to map the uh, joystick to the keyboard, I think is an essential uh, program to use for retro gaming because I actually don't mind using the keyboard, I'll admit, but there is something special about using a controller. It is a lot more convenient, a lot more accessible to a lot more people. So that is something we really need to push along with Parsec and DOSBox and everything else we're using to uh, to play these classics. But yeah, that X-Peta worked uh, so well uh, once we got that uh, set up for me. And uh, what a game. We went into overtime. Yeah, so... Um... Just to let people know, so we, we've been able to use the gamepad without X-Padder for, you know, the games like NBA Live 96 and NBA Live 2000, 2003, 2001, etc. But with a game like Lakers versus Celtics, that game came out in 1989 for the PC. And um, it really only has keyboard controls in it. Like, if you were to play against somebody back in the day, it would be two people hovered over to the keyboard using different parts of the keyboard to utilize their controls and use their team. Um, but what I was able to do, and I've talked about this on a prior podcast, is I was able to utilize XPatter to make both of our gamepads, so my Xbox One wireless controller, Andrew's um, controller, whether he's using a PlayStation controller or if he was using a Gravis gamepad or whatever he was using, it would work. And we are both able to use game pads on this 1989 PC game, Lakers versus Celtics, and it works absolutely beautifully. Um, Andrew actually won that game in overtime, but there's kind of a wrinkle in that. I accidentally, at the end of regulation, hit the wrong button, and I subbed out a fresh, healthy, not-in-foul-trouble Larry Bird. So Larry Bird was unable to play for me in the overtime and Andrew actually owed me that win anyway. Like he owed, he was due to beat me because I won the live 96 game and the live 10 game. However, I do want to say that live 10 game was close throughout and that was fun. And that was another uh, retro fantasy teams matchup as well, which is something we do a lot with live 10. The uh, so this time, uh, 2006 Suns versus 2006 Nets. You can check out that video on the uh, NLC YouTube channel, of course. But it's still so much fun, Derek, and, and we've noted it before that it's funny that we say this when there's actual retro teams in 2K and, and obviously so many retro teams, rosters like your Ultimate Classic Teams roster for 2K17, of course, but that the whole, the whole approach of putting those makeshift teams together in Live 10, the challenge of finding the teams, uh, the players rather that are still in the rosters to make those teams, it's, it's just, so, just so fun to, to do that, that whole project aspect of it. No, it's it's minimalist modding um, in its own in its own right, and at the same time, when it all comes together and looks as good as it did, it, it feels almost like a masterpiece, right? Like the Nets court 
looked really good. Like it looked like it could pass for the 0506 season. The jerseys were right for both the Nets and the Suns. We were able to get nine to 10 players on each of the rosters and, you know, all the faces looking great and the players looking um, true to their real life counterpart. And the way we use the teams too. Um, I thought, you know, if I, we've talked about this with still the 33 talked about it on um, several shows before, if I'm playing the PC, they're not going to use Vince Carter like you did, right? They're not going to use Jason Kidd like you did and Richard Jefferson. And the computer sure as hell not going to use Steve Nash the way I used him against you. Not at all, no. Uh, no yeah. Steve Nash was a killer, or, or, as he was at the time. Yeah. Boy, was that fun. That was fun, that reverse layup. Um, that uh, using Steve Nash, Using Steve Nash and that Suns team was an absolute blast. But yeah, it just it came together so well. And... I got Stildo 33 to finally play NBA Live 10 for the first time. He had never played it before, so he connected to me, and we had a game. He used the Bulls. I used the Thunder. He plays a lot faster than you do. Um, Ken is he's like an opportunist with the game. Like he will, If he senses that he can run it down your throat, he'll run it down your throat constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. So he sensed that he could, you know, use Derrick Rose and get to the paint almost at will. And so he was he was pushing it that way for most of the game. And he had a fun arcade like experience with that game, as it can be when you play on pro. But it was nice to get him on the sticks on that game. He had fun. I thought you and I had a great game and NBA Live 10 um, still holds up. I mean, I'm always a little bit wistful when I play NBA Live 10 because you do think about what might have been, right? Oh, my God, 100%. You and I talk about it, too. We, you know, we'll, we'll be in, like, at the end of a game, we'll be in the chat, and I'll be like, can you still can, can you believe they didn't have size-ups in NBA Live 19 and they had him here? Like, I'll keep bringing that up, or I'll, I'll be like, man, that game was so fun. How could they go away from this? And you'll do the same type of thing. Um, it's hard not to think about it considering the avenue that they went after NBA Live 10, you know, had run its normal cycle, you know, with the cancellation of NBA Elite 11, um, you know, the cancellation of NBA Live 13, and then the disappointment that was NBA Live 14, and then, you know, canceling after NBA Live 16, and then canceling after NBA Live 19. Like, it's hard not to think about it. It, it really is. And, and you know, this week's mailbag question, which we'll be getting to uh, later in the show, of course, is about your, your favorite NBA Live and why. And we've got a lot of great responses, which shows that people do have a lot of affection for the NBA Live brand. And, and this is something that a lot of people downplay, the idea that NBA Live was ever good or popular and, uh, and enjoyable, because it certainly was all of those things. And, and we've got a, a very um, a variety of responses to that question, which we'll be reading off later and uh, responding to. And yeah, a lot of people loved NBA Live, and it's why it's so disappointing that it went uh, downhill as it did, and completely collapsed after Live 10, especially with that being such a, a strong release. And it's why we always talk about we want that competition in the space, and we want NBA Live to be competent, because we know how good it can be at its best. And I wouldn't say Live 10 is the best game. As, as you know, Live 06 PC is still my pick for the best all-around release in the series. But Live 10 was on, on the right track, and that's the frustrating part of it. I prefer Live 10 over Live 06 for me, gameplay-wise. Fair, oh, fair. Uh, however, I also think that maybe you you might be swayed a little bit more if NBA Live 10 had been more complete. Yes. I think that if it had deeper modes, more modes, more customization and stuff, and it had a lot of the bells and whistles that Live 06 had, PC release. I think that <laughs> you may, a PC release, right, I think you would be swayed and even maybe prefer it in many different ways because I know how you've been about NBA Live 10 over the last year. And oh, I yeah. think maybe some of that 
could have been because you've been playing a little bit more human versus human. That's always going to be a better experience. Um, speaking of which, we do need to connect, connect on NBA Live 06 at some point and play a game, um, the, you know, the PC version and whatnot. But I did want to just let our listeners know. So when Andrew and I played Lakers versus Celtics, he was the Bulls. So Pippen, MJ, etc., And I was the Celtics. And he won that one in overtime in NBA Live 96, which I, that was a really fun game, I thought. But NBA Live 96, I was the Rockets, as you would expect. He was the Magic. So with the Rockets, I had one of my favorite players ever, um, Clyde Drexler. I had Akeem, Robert Ory, et cetera. He had the Magic. So he had, you know, Shaq and, and whatnot and, and Penny. And Dennis Scott and Nick Anderson and whatnot. Um, I thought that was a really fun competitive game as well. And then with NBA Live 10, he was the 0506 Nets and I was the 0506 Suns. That uh, replay of the 95 finals in NBA Live 96, definitely a fun game. Uh, struggling a bit at first. I wasn't hitting my jumpers, but then uh, Nick Anderson came along and I started knocking down some uh, threes with him in the second half and, uh, and made a game of it. And that was fun. You kicked my butt in the second half of Nick Anderson. I was like, see, the thing with that game is, is um, you never, no lead is safe in my opinion. Yeah. Because game runs, yeah. You, yeah, turnovers can happen pretty fast. And threes can, as we've experienced in the past with guys like Steve Kerr in those older NBA Live games, threes can come in a barrage. Uh, so I didn't feel like the game was safe until the final buzzer, to be completely honest. I also wanted to bring up, something and i know this is you hold this dear to your heart as well because you used to play the nba lives for the pc back in the day just like me my brother and i were just on the nostalgia train it was it's it's still not old we still love doing this We're, we're playing nba live 2000 and i see the whole export stats option in the stat screen in the game and i'm like oh my god i remember doing this when I was younger and I loved looking at those text files that had like all the stats, like neatly exported. So we hit export stats on NBA live 2000. We went out of the game and we went into the, um, the documents folder where the, um, the stats are. And we opened up that text file and man, that is still so beautiful, isn't it? It really that is. Text, yeah. oh, it has all the names lined up. It has their height, their weight, their college. And then to the right, it has their, their, their season stats, up to date their rebounds assists steals points per game uh, all of that and it's like this is so neat tidy and awesome i'd rather look at this than look at it in the damn game like i know you remember doing that we used to print those out all the time when we were younger oh my my bulls dynasty for for 06 bc referring back to that again i exported the box scores for every game and put that up as part of my story thread you know you, you can still go back and find them those files are all hosted on the nlsc so you can go back and look at all my box scores there and you're right, there is something very special about it. I think that that feature could still be useful today. Because yes, we have the we have stat screens. Yes, we have screenshots. But sometimes the stat screens, they don't show every single player. And I think there's something very useful about being able to export those, um, those stats. Because after a certain point, you... You know, that some of those stats become inaccessible. You can't go back and look at them. So get, keeping that record, I think, is very important. Or certainly it is to me, and I know it is to you and your brothers as well. So I'd be all for getting, a, uh, getting that functionality back in the game. Yeah, I would, I would love it. And, you know, when you do it in NBA Live 2000, NBA Live 2003, etc., when you hit the export, it 
sends it to a text file. But today, I mean, if they did that, they could have it export to an Excel. So it's even easier to edit, right? Sure. Or maneuver, or delete columns and, and whatnot. But you know what? I'm going to print out this and we're going to keep, we're going to keep it in a binder. Um, you know, at the end of the season, you know, the end of the season stats and whatnot. And I think it just, it will just be awesome to, you know, look back on it. And I, I think that, um, I think it would be really handy in the newer games as well. I, I completely agree with you. We're both having a big throwback, I think at the moment to uh, some of our fondest memories of, of basketball gaming and, and showing that we can continue to create memories with those games. If we're not really feeling the latest one, you had more fun with 2k22 than I have. Um, partly because I'm so obsessed with uh, 2K14 in my career, which I'll... Not the PC version, though. We've talked yes, about this. Yes. The, it's, it's the series, the, the one that I have on um, on Series X. The PC version, I'm version, just yeah. like, I'm done with that. I barely played it. It's just not fun for me. No, I, I, absolutely. I'm in the, in the same boat with it. But we've got, we've got a lot of those old NBA Live set up on your PC now. Um, had a bit of issues here and there. Had to use the uh, N-Glide wrapper to get the, the old... Uh, the compatibility with uh, a game that was never meant for such advanced uh, video cards, of course. Um, getting DOSBox set up. Found out that I can't uh, alt-tab away while I'm waiting for something to install on DOSBox on your computer. It freezes uh, it freezes DOSBox. So we, we found out a few things there, but we've got most of those set up now. We've got to get 95 and 97 set up as of this recording, of course. Uh, but yeah, just so great to uh, get those set up on your PC as I have it on mine, and so that we can both uh, play those and uh, and maybe even mod them or uh, enhance some of those mods that are out there already because there are, there are quite a few historical mods for some of those old games that we can with, with tool, the tools we still have uh, fix them up a little bit and assign faces and, and just enhance them because cause back in the day Derek of course you're on dial up internet you don't have as much storage space on Yahoo Justities or Angel Fire or wherever you're hosting your files so a lot of those mods had to be kind of minimalist and use the uh, creative player appearances and, and had to distribute faces separately but with uh, with the speed of internet these days and the storage space at our disposal we could make enhanced versions of those mods with all the faces included so a couple things I downloaded the historical roster. It's made by Lutz for NBA Live 99. I got to tell you something. I don't care if most of the faces that are in there are done via creative player. There was so much love put into that roster. And as a result, it's fun to play. Uh, I I posted highlights of um, me using the all-time Lakers versus the all-time Celtics. And, you know, making a pass from Magic to um, young Kareem on the Lakers and, you know, throwing it down and whatnot. It passes for their likenesses, and it is really a lot of fun. Um, you know, congratulations for them on such a such a great release. Uh, I've been playing that Live 99 roster quite a bit. They have the all-time teams roster. Um, so 15 players on each team. Um the you know the best players of all time up to that point up to you know nba live 99 for those standards and whatnot and then the champs roster which is you know the best teams of all time up to that point and i've been playing the hell out of those so good stuff but you're right technically with what we know now like what we found out with nba live 96 when i was able to make portraits for that game like high quality ones we could make portraits for every player or at least the starters on every team, we could technically make cyber faces um, that are missing, like real cyber faces for those players. So yeah, the opportunity is there and the uh, possibilities are endless. I also want to point something out too. How great has Parsec been? 
So basically what happens when Andrew installs, you know, NBA Live 99 on my computer, NBA Live 98, NBA Live 96, Live 2003, et cetera, is we boot up Parsec. I have him connect to me. And then I give him keyboard and mouse control. He's basically on my computer like a tech. And he is basically just controlling my desktop, installing the games, um, you know, troubleshooting and stuff like that. I can't talk more positively about Parsec. It just hasn't gotten old. I mean, so many uses, obviously. We've been playing, using it to play games head to head so much but then uh, to be able to uh jump on there and, and help you out a little bit and get those uh, games installed and we're still troubleshooting a few things to playing some of those older games uh without a uh without the disc in the drive because you you have the uh external optical the usb optical drive uh rather than an inbuilt ones and of course switching discs switching discs in 2022 uh, are we cavemen um <laughs> but uh you know it's just been so so great for that um, it's a, it's a real novelty, and you brought it up when I was installing Live 96. Before the nostalgia of the game kicks in, there's the nostalgia of installing the game and seeing those the screens in the installation menu. So it's it's just so much of a double, triple, quadruple shot of uh, of nostalgia when we set those games up. It's a trip, isn't it? Yeah. Every single time it's a trip. I, I said this on past podcasts too, is um, you can say what you want about these older games you can say they're primitive control wise and sometimes they are um you can say they're limited sometimes and you know what you can do on the court and you know compared to some of the newer games sometimes they are but the overload of nostalgia is it's unbeatable every single time i put on these games i gotta be completely honest with you whether it's live 96 live 95 live 98 live 2000 the original nba 2k nba fast break 98 it's just nostalgia overload on top of that, and I was talking with Tech Mobile GGL about this, and because him and I did a stream once on uh, NBA Showdown 94. Sure, sometimes the games are a little bit primitive. Sure, you may only have like a crossover button, and maybe you have a crossover and a spin move button, and that's pretty much it. Sure, a lot of them don't have right stick control, but a lot of times the action is just free flowing and fun. And that's what it's about, right? You know, not fighting with the game, minimal frustrations basic but understandable controls and just fun and my brother nick and i have been having so much fun just going back and having that season on nba live 2000 and not fighting with the game and just having a free-flowing fun nostalgic gameplay experience and that's why it doesn't get old when you and i connect because it's not yeah you know it's not just the nostalgia piece it's the fact hey we're actually having fun on the sticks and when I go back and look at these games for Wayback Wednesday, you know, I, I try to put them in historical perspective because a lot of them, though they may seem primitive now, were very advanced for the time and, and ahead of their time in some respects. And, and I'm always very conscious of it about when I say, well, I, I kind of am sometimes too apologetic uh, about the quality of the animations or whatnot because I'm trying to preemptively ward off any of the, oh, you think this looks good? Well, yes, for, for a game that came out in 1999, this is incredible. This is ahead of its time. This holds up incredibly well. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. I'm going to let you finish that. But you know what? It's not often, too, is about whether, oh, well, it, it, it doesn't look as good as an animation today. How does it feel? Mm. Like when you did that move, was it reactive on the sticks? Did it feel good to throw it down like that? Did it feel good to do is it that fun? layup? Yeah. Is it fun? Exactly. It doesn't need to always look the best. It doesn't need to always chain together 
perfectly because honestly, a lot of the animations that are in NBA Live 19, they look really good, but you didn't try to do them, number one. And number two, a lot of times they're canned, right? So it's just this beautiful animation playing out that you're like, well, that didn't feel really good or like that shouldn't have gone in. Like stuff like that. So there's a huge difference. So I'll let you finish, but I, I wanted to get that point out. Like, how, like my, because my brother and I have talked about this recently. Like, how does it feel? Because that's what matters. No, I, absolutely, and that is something else I try and focus on in Wayback Wednesday. But I do realize that I, I'm sometimes preemptively, apologetically, or apologetic, or trying to ward off that uh, inevitable. You think this looks good? It's it's so old, but as you say, it's how it feels. It's like an old movie. Yes, the special effects or the CGI may be dated now, but what what about the dialogue? What about the story? What about how how that movie makes you feel? And and you know be able to push you, those emotional buttons as as great stories do. So okay, yes, a, a movie from the golden age of Hollywood is not going to have special effects on par with something we can do in 2022. Sometimes those practical effects are more enjoyable. Some might say, but the point is, it's there's there's more to it than just outdated visuals because of course technology marches on and things get better. Uh, but yeah, it's just so much fun to play these games. Uh, and speaking of nostalgia with the games. I'm, I'm maybe I'm guessing here, but I feel that you may feel as I do that whenever we fire up these games and we see these great intros, those video intros, we skip them because you know we're trying to uh, maximize our time uh, because we have the, the time difference between us, and sometimes it's late at night for one of us when we play. But I, I feel like we both feel guilty when we have to skip those intros because we I, I feel we both want to watch them every time. I feel guilty every single time. Yeah, there and, you go. And, and Fast ninety eight is one that I just won't skip. Like I'll pretty much every pretty much every single time I put on NBA Fast Break '98, I'll watch the intro. Um, but yeah, I always feel bad when I when I skip the old intros. And and you know they haven't had the intro since NBA 2K18 now in the Newark 2Ks because now they just want people to get right into the game and start going through the menus and you know start seeing the gambling mechanics and jump into my career and jump into my team and oh we we can't be bothered with a cool intro anymore. Um, but yeah, I love the old intros, and I love the music. I want to turn the soundtrack off in the newer 2Ks. But, you know, when you go back and you have, like, the jazzy beats of the old NBA Live games, um, or, you know, when they started having vocals in the um, the actual songs and, like, games like NBA Live 2000 and whatnot, they're just cool beats. <laughs> and they bring back a lot of memories. And we, we love listening to the beats on the older uh, basketball games as well. Oh, 100%. And... I have to put the question to you. Uh, do you prefer those uh, original instrumental tracks that from the early days of NBA Live, or, or do you prefer the licensed music of maybe the early to mid-2000s? I can go with both. Mm, both bring yeah. positive memories. Um, both have their own appeal. Uh, they absolutely, um, they both rock for me. Uh, they, I have no issues whatsoever with them. Um, what's cool is, you know, and Ken and I, still the 33, have still been trucking along on our 94-95 season, utilizing that great mod on NBA 2K19. And Hornets on Fire put together an amazing 80s and slash early 90s soundtrack with you know stuff like with, like Michael Jackson on there, and then you know other songs from the time and and whatnot. And 
man, I, I don't want to turn that soundtrack off either. So some one cool thing about being on PC and getting these mods, these modded soundtracks and all of that stuff is, um, you know, you don't have to listen to stuff that you don't really want to. If you find a really good soundtrack made by somebody else or you make your own, um, you can crank that right up. And with Hornets on Fire soundtrack for that mod, um, you know, I've had that in there now for well over a year and it never gets old. I'll just put it out there as, as a suggestion for the PC version of uh, NBA 2K and NBA Live if when it returns uh, for the soundtrack option taking a page out of the old GTA games for uh, for the PC and having a folder where you can dump some MP3 files and it'll have your custom uh, you know be able to play a custom soundtrack I'd, I'd love that well they have that I've talked how many times have I talked about that they had that in MLB the show 2020 that's right yes we put my brother and I put our own soundtrack in there we we dumped a bunch of files on a thumb drive bunch of mp3s we plugged it into the playstation 4 and boom there was our soundtrack we just uploaded it to the game and you know they talk about oh everything's better you know blah blah blah. new technology new systems you know look at mlb the show the newest one for um the xbox series x and they took that ability out you can't do that anymore you can't plug in a thumb drive you can't put in your own soundtrack that game's also missing several other features that the ps4 version had and stuff like that so i am needless to say i'm not impressed in the least and my brothers and i have talked about this too they agree not impressed in the least with the quote-unquote next-gen jump in fact i don't think it's been a that a jump at, at all in many ways well, it comes down to not just technology, which is always getting better to a certain extent, whether it's the loading speeds and, and, and RAM and, and video card performance and whatnot, but also design concepts. And people talk about engines and, and whatnot and, and what would make a game great and, oh, we need this game on Unreal Engine, we need this game on Frostbite or whatever. But it comes down to the people creating it and their vision and, and how they're going to utilize that technology. I mean, there are advantages to having in-house and specialized engines, of course, but if it come, at the end of the day, it comes down to how you're using the technology, how you're designing the game, whether you're designing it around recurrent revenue mechanics or whatnot. And speaking of design, there's a couple of tweets that we wanted to talk about this week um, that you noticed that were that kind of uh, kind of got our back up. Was it fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I sent those two immediately when I saw them, and I was like, we need to discuss these items on the show um what's alarming but we already knew this but it is still alarming it was the amount of support that the op of the tweets got for these takes and unfortunately because of this it's it's you know the nba 2k situation in my opinion is just going to continue getting worse and not better as far as like recurrent revenue as far as you know the artificial boosts as far as let's like the overall game design so this tweet this first one that we're going to talk about today says uh, people love claiming 2k is an arcade game instead of blaming user behavior it doesn't matter what 2k does cheeses will find a way to cheese if you want a simulation game then play it as such you'll be surprised at how great the game actually is when you play the right way now i can see where that's coming from i will say that certainly it, people will find a way to cheese. But to me, that also highlights the problem because the on, online is tuned a certain way. Because a lot of people are noting that you can have slider changes, slider adjustments and whatnot, and play the game you want, which you certainly can offline. But in my team, 
and my career in the connected modes, the very popular modes where you can't change those sliders, where, where the game is tuned a certain way, where the game encourages cheesing. Yes, that is very much a design issue. And, and it, yes, it's on the community to, to play a certain way. But if, if people find a way to win online with cheap tactics, are they going to have that? Is the honor code going to be enough, Derek? I don't think so. So you need to have the game enforce that proper competitive play and that non-cheesy way of playing. If people can win with cheesy tactics online, they're not going to refrain from that. So the game needs to be balanced. The game needs to be designed in a way that will not allow you to, to play that way. That Taking all of that blame away from the developers who are making the game and designing the game and shooting the game is absolutely asinine. It's ridiculous because basically what he's saying is, and like you said, you can't, you can't change sliders. You can't, you know, try to create band-aid fixes for some of these issues or, you know, try to improve on some of the, um, you know, gameplay issues that are there by, by the default in the game's most popular modes, the, my teams, the, my careers, you know, all this stuff playing in the park, playing in the city, et cetera. Um, but basically what it's saying is fake sim and play like don't take advantage of opportunities to score don't take advantage of um you know being able to shoot constantly in space or something like that like they're basically saying fake sim and don't play an arcade style but if the game by default has all of these issues then that's the red flag right there. It's not It's not the end user's fault that the game has these issues, right? So basically, it's the developer's job to create a game. If they want people to play more sim-like, if they want people to play more realistic, if they want to make it so it's not so cheesy, they need to be making the game with less issues, with less overpowering artificial boosts they should be encouraging that gameplay style that more sim like realistic gameplay style by putting in proper and better mechanics in the game so if you're asking people in the community basically people that have been grinding hour upon hour or upon hour or paying dollar upon dollar upon dollar to upgrade their player and get like their player loaded out with badges and you know if you're asking that person to not utilize what those badges allow them to do on the floor that give them you know giving them that overpowering advantage like you can't ask people to do that like that's what they grinded for right that's what they spent their money on to upgrade their player to do it to, you know to be able to achieve you know achieve that performance on the court so if somebody does that and they have this ability now to cheese step back threes from 30 feet or 35 feet over and over and over again how is that their fault that they can do that that's Exa the that's exactly. the game that's a game mechanic that's that's the, that's the developers putting that ability in the gamer's hands and of course that person who spent all of that time grinding or spending all of that money or a combination of both of course they're going to utilize that when they get it no absolutely and again offline you can have that experience you can change the sliders you can fake sim if you want to and that's fair enough but if you want to compete online you have to play the game as it's presented you bring up badges because the the build and the meta is so important with that and if you play a sim style online, you're not going to have as much success. That, that's just simply 
the way it goes. In fact, if you go on Reddit, a lot of people griping about that, understandably so, and I agree with them. I, I don't use the word griping in a, in a negative sense here. I, I think it's letting off steam in a very uh, <laughs> with a very legitimate complaint. But you'll see a lot of people hitting back and, and defending that in a different way and saying, well, it's not real basketball, it's a game, which goes against what Desire's Creed, of course, what he tries to do with, with the game over the years as a, as a developer there. And, and you know, the whole Sim Nation uh, creed of uh, don't play uh, video games, play basketball. But people are, are quite openly admitting that you do need to play that style if you want to win. So there's a, there's a follow-up comment that's saying, just take your L's like a grown-ass adult and go on to the next game. But, you know, that that's the point. People will... It's not about accepting loss and, and being a, a bad sport or whatever. It's about wanting to play that sim style, but the game not allowing you to play that sim style. But it's, it's just this defense, no, no matter what happens, defending the game, uh, defending deficiencies in the design... And it's just so frustrating because, and you look at a lot of these people are influencers or you know YouTubers, and they're trying to become influencers within the community, and you can see that uh, that defend the game at all costs and put the blame on the on the gamer. I wrote that Monday tip of article, you know, the, the community or the wrong parts of it this week, and a lot of people are not representing the community. I think uh, particularly well, they're only focusing on the aspects. That they uh, that they care about and just leaving everybody else in the cold, not not advocating for the whole community, and they're defending the game in <laughs> in aspects that are really indefensible. Uh, yeah, so I see a tweet like that blaming gamers and just taking all the blame off the the design and, and problems with the game itself. Uh, yeah, I, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, no, a couple other things with that too. Go back to that two K eighteen thread that we've we've talked about many times. You know, the games defense by default was absolutely disastrous it was so easy for you to get any defender on your hip just have you just have him ride you to the hoop and you get like a free layup and help side would hardly ever come over you could jack up the sliders on the defensive sliders up and you could keep just isoing and doing the same thing over and over again and i said in the thread i was like listen i shouldn't be able to do this every time i shouldn't be able to take kemba walker or um or robert covington or hell steven adams or Hassan Whiteside, i shouldn't be able to iso them every single time on the you know on the perimeter and then just run turbo to the hoop and just get layups over and over again that's a game mechanic flaw that's a design flaw there's an issue with the game the developers need to look at this and fix it either for this release or a future release and you remember this because we and i we and i talked about this at the time i had people a couple people in the thread telling me well, you shouldn't play like that anyway. You should just sim. Like, like basically telling me to fake sim. I want you to think about how, in a competitive atmosphere, I want you to think about how ridiculous that actually is. So I technically could just win these games by running by, like, getting the defender on my side because the game tells me I can do that because it's a flaw in the game, um, in the game development. I can just get my guy on my side and score over and over again but what you're telling me to do is even though i know i can get to the hoop in a sports game in a basketball game even though i can get to the hoop and get a layup you're telling me to pass it out to take a harder shot just because i quote unquote shouldn't do that right do you see the problem there like you're basically they're basically telling me hey fake sim take a contested shot because it would be unrealistic for you to consistently run just drive to the hoop and score labs 
Oh, exactly. That's my problem. Exactly. Yeah. Because whose fault is it that I can go to the hoop over and 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 over again and keep scoring? The developers, right? It's not my job to fake sim because they messed up. You know what I mean? No, a hundred percent. It's it's making excuses for for weakness in, in the in the game design. And look, again, if you're playing offline, maybe you'll do that. Maybe if you if you are so dedicated to that sim style and getting realistic stats and and whatnot, then sure, maybe you might consider that. It's something we did a lot back in the day, and, and again, slider adjustments and whatnot. But you do that online, you're not going to win. And that's you need to play the game that the the, that the developers have tried to present the, the experience that they're trying to present in that online scene with the with the tuning and everything else and the mechanics and, and speaking of mechanics there's another tweet that uh, caught our attention this week that you sent to me uh that said real player percent should not be in 2k now they did follow up in a a, a, uh, a subsequent tweet that says they're really referring to the online game modes uh don't care if they use that in my career etc and again I, I see that because people may see that as being uh, cheap or cheesy but here's the thing Shot aiming, as we had in 2K21, or it, just the simple green release method, can be just as cheesy. They can be exploited with uh, controller hacks and whatnot. So trying to find that right, fair, balanced shooting method is easier said than done. And and I don't think that real player percent is the problem that they're making it out to be. And even if they, there's a legitimate point there, it, the way it's being expressed and the way people are talking about it in that Twitter thread just sounds so elitist and gatekeeping and yeah i'm not about it well i want to bring up one more and then i'll answer that one more thing related to the last question so or the last statement excuse me listen they can say well you're supposed to play it sim and whatnot talking about like nba 2k22 and whatnot but i'm sorry but by default even if you try your hardest to play that game sim there is absolutely nothing sim about skating all over the floor there's nothing sim about being sucked into defenders all over the floor. Um, and, you know, the suction that's in that game. There's a lot of non-sim elements that you literally can't avoid in NBA 2K22. So you can say, well, you need to play different or you need to play more sim-like and everything. But no matter how hard you try to play that game sim, you're not going to get, you know, really the desired result in a lot of cases. So I just want to throw that out there as well definitely as far as real player percentage you know that i'm not a fan of real player percentage i won't use it Same. because it, it takes a, a big part of the skill out of the game um you know you can shoot it on the way down you can shoot it on the way up it doesn't matter when you you know release the ball it still has the same chance of going in so you don't have to learn your player shots you don't have to time it all of that stuff so I think it was NBA Live 16 or Live 18. I think they labeled it perfectly. Um, they said that for real player, they called it rating. So that was what it was. It was just going by their rating. And then user timing was skill plus rating, right? So it adds the skill element into the shooting mechanics. It's just how many shots do you take a game? It's a big part of it. However, where I disagree with the person is I think that real player percentage should be an option in the game because people should be able to play that way if they want to. Now, like you said, if they're talking about in the online connective modes, I'm not really a big part of that, but I do think that the only reason why that should be an available option in the online connective modes is if all parties can agree to use it at the same time. But if there's a way for somebody to turn on real player percentage and play against people who are using user timing um i think that's a red flag well that, that is what's possible at the moment and I, I do see the objections to that 
But I also see that, I mean, I, I was playing 2K21 online a little bit before I put that aside, and I'm seeing people doing these uh, Euro step, step back uh, threes that they're greening with the, or getting that perfect aim on and, and just swishing from uh, 35 feet. And, and yes, we know players do take some long shots these days, but when they're doing that and shooting 15 of 18 from three in five-minute quarters, you know, we talk about what's arcade and what's sim. That's certainly not sim for, for that to happen. So This goes right back to the, the other question too, right? I mean, it, the it, other it, comment. It does, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, it goes right back to that because they get, the developers allow that. They make those badges and the way their rating system is set up, they make it so... Um, if you have that perfect cocktail, right, that you can do those ridiculous, unrealistic 15 for 18, you know, super deep threes, which nobody in real life, not even Steph Curry can even get close to that, right? He's not and, shooting you know, 15 of 18, same, no, from, from there. He's right, not. I mean, this is the same video game. This is the same video game that I see Dikembe Mutombo getting like an Opal card or something like that, and he's like 98 overall, and people are like, doing like ridiculous Allen Iverson type dribbling with Dikembe Mutombo and stepping back and hitting like high arcing threes. Right. So we're talking, this is still, remember, we're still talking about NBA 2K and the way it's designed now. So a lot of times they're not shooting for realism. They're shooting for that incredible arcade style. And what have we talked about before? If they're shooting for that arcade style, that's what the, people who are you know jumping into play whether it be in the city park or um or whatnot or in the my in the my team connected modes and all that stuff that's the way that they're going to probably play the game well like the, the argument is always the skill gap and i i know people want that for the competitive online scene and, and certainly for offline play as well you, you want it to represent skill rather than uh, than just a random dice roll or whatever but my green releases and shot aiming these are mechanics that people have cheated with one input. Scripts to cheat one input that they can get green releases with a button press. So that's how much skill it is that you can cheat the, the input that easily with those scripts, those controller scripts. And also there's so many other things, so many canned moments, canned rebounds. Uh, the animations that you have are predetermined for you that if you're going in, you can say, okay, I'm going to go for a, an aggressive dunk or finish left, finish right. But the specific animation that the game chooses is is not is beyond your control. So when somebody does something awesome, you know, an awesome dunk or something, yes, you may have chosen to finish left or you've chosen the, the fancy dunk option or what's that, the aggressive dunk option now in next gen with, with the meter, etc. And again, another idea of a, a skill gap and it's basically a glorified quick time event. But there's so much stuff that's out of our control compared to a game like, you know, I mentioned a lot, Rocket League, where you are so much in control of the movement of your, of your car and, and, the, uh, and the animation is not canned and predetermined and there's no uh, canned two-person scenarios. So there's so much stuff in 2K's mechanics that the idea that we have a, a legitimate skill gap just because there's a, a, a perfect release mechanic on jump shots again, is, is so myopic to, to believe that because there's so much stuff that comes down to animation selection. You know, if you have the misfortune of the game uh, picking a back scratcher dunk animation when somebody's uh, running you down, they'll, they'll get that easy chase down block because the game has just given you that back scratcher animation and, and to the point where you don't put back scratchers in your uh, animation packages that, you, that you're assembling your player. So, but that, apart from that, if you get a bad animation just by luck of the draw and talking about dice rolls and skill gaps and everything 
you know, that's not a skill gap. You, you've been robbed or you've been screwed over or you've been successful, conversely, because of the animation that's been chosen. That's not a skill gap. You will never have true skill gap when you have this many artificial boosts in a basketball game. That too. You will never have true skill gap when you have the lack of proper foot planning. So constant skating kind of like the side to side stuff um, and whatnot. And just like the hovering over the floor overall, and you'll never have true skill gap with all the suction that's in the game as well. And a lot of the suction also comes from badges, right? There's a lot more suction when certain badges are applied and everything. And um, I think that NBA live 19 also in many ways, because of the amount of canned animations and also a super cheesy step back in that game, which almost always made your defender fall. I think that um, live 19 in many ways also lacked proper skill gap, not as much, and as like NBA 2K22 and whatnot, but it definitely still lacked that proper skill gap. But here's the thing. I've said this over and over and over again. You can have somebody who's not very good at NBA 2K22. You can have them out there in the city or whatever playing. And he could be, he, he could also not have a great knowledge of basketball. We've talked about that before as well. And he could go out there and score 60 to 70 points and just be like firing up like you were talking about step back threes and going 15 for 18 and greening everything just because he has some boosts to his player. Right. And just because he the game allowed him to make it easy for him to just master a green release the majority of the time uh, because he has those boosts. That is not skill gap. And he could be out there playing against people who do know basketball, who, you know, maybe um, are very good at NBA 2K22 on the sticks. Like they know the sticks better and everything, but maybe they're not loaded up as on as many badges. Or maybe they do have a bunch of badges, but his badges are just overpowering and he can just now like get a shot off anyway whenever he wants. Again, this goes back to the developers not you know, actually putting in the mechanics to represent a true skill gap, to not represent a more realistic brand of basketball. Well, it's like a fighting game where button mashes, people are just getting on there and mashing the buttons, beat a more skilled player just by sheer luck of of just mashing enough buttons to hit combos and whatnot. Is it not? I mean, just kind of knowing that one exploitable technique that somehow works. And, And look, again, I see the point that they're making here, but when people make these statements, these sweeping statements of this is what 2K needs to be and these options mustn't be in the game and the game must be this way, it's that missing that big picture that we love to talk about here on the NLC podcast because it's so important and it's, it's so overlooked that when you present that game that's only catering to the elitists and the top tier gamers and whatnot because everybody is a newbie at some point and they need to get better. So you need to have that game that is welcoming and has that increasing, you know, sure, it has that skill gap. But to that point, people have that introductory level and they level up and face better competition as as they get better. And it's it's, it's why I say so so often, 
we don't have proper matchmaking because a it uh, it kind of stands in the way of recurrent revenue mechanics because it it kind of forces you if you're thrown in there with everybody no matter what skill level it encourages you to upgrade quicker which means paying for vc and paying for attribute upgrades grinding etc it's great for for the uh... they don't want you right they don't want andrew who starts off maybe i don't know but like 60 overall yeah at 60 overall so they don't want andrew who starts off maybe enhances the player a little bit maybe 65 68 overall they don't want andrew finding a bunch of other people who are 65 68 overall and then not spending the money to upgrade or not grinding and getting all the advertising and all of that stuff there's a huge big picture aspect of that like you said and that's why there's not proper matchmaking Exactly, exactly. And it's why they, that they don't have your, your default, uh, your, your starting uh, uh, physical attributes, for example, your athletic ratings are low as well. When you would think that if anything that you're trying to hone as a young player, as, you, as a young my player, is your, your skills, your shooting, your defense, you know, your, your, your basketball IQ and your, and your shooting abilities, your, your skills on the virtual hardwood, as it were. Whereas your athleticism as a young player is going to be at its peak straight away. So, and that would allow you to at least with the right stick skills, with the sufficient stick skills, compete in the online arena if your athletic attributes didn't leave you so slow and plodding around the court because you've got to upgrade those as well. So that's a big part of the design. And people overlook that because, again, that's big picture thinking. But also that, that lack of matchmaking, one, it's it's from uh, their perspective, it, uh, it, it stands in the way of recurrent revenue. Uh, from, from the gamer's perspective, it means that elite gamers can't feast on newbies, which... I think if you're an elite gamer, you should want to face the best and prove your metal. That's just me. But they want to just go into uh, into the, into the wreck with a squad and just feast on a a, a, squ- a squad of randoms and, and whatnot. And the elitism of wanting the game to be one way. And I've brought it up before many times because it's such a sticking point that you used to be able to have a minimum of three users per side in Team Pro-Am and you'd have AI players fill in. Now, this is not popular, and I understand why. People want it to be basically the home version of the 2K League, five users versus five users, that is what it's supposed to be. Fair enough. But you can't always get five users together. And it was handy to be able to, especially in other regions, as I'm obviously in Australia, that not everybody, not every squad that we went up against when we were playing those 500 games, over 500 games of 2K Prime and 2K17, not every squad we went up with, every single up against every single time, had five users sometimes they like us had three or four and we had a lot of fun doing that and it was more fun than going to walk on or the wreck and that's the whole idea is oh you don't have a squad go to the wreck but the wreck is terrible (laughs) the wreck is toxic so they've cut off that ability to play pro-am with uh, less than five users while providing a an alternative that is that's cultivated toxic atmosphere so that's a problem and people don't look at how it's all affected like that and how it's forced squads to go to the wreck and feast on uh, makeshift squads of randoms and nobody has a good time except the elite players who are well they want yeah. people well they want the let's be honest with you it's a business right yeah they're trying to make money Absolutely. they don't want they want those people to go in there and get their bots handed to them those you know 65 overalls or like you said the randoms or whatever they want those people to get their bots handed to them and then feel bad and be like well i like the atmosphere i like the graphics i want to you know all my friends are playing this game you know i want to i'm a competitive person i want to be able to compete and then that's when they start shelling out the money or that's when they start grinding and like try to spend their whole life on the game and even if they're not spending money what is happening when they're spending that time on the game 
they are getting absolutely flooded with advertising, right? Absolutely. Like all the name brands, all of that stuff that the, all the sponsors, all the, you know, the stuff that all the companies and whatnot that signed on with 2K, they're seeing that stuff. So that's another piece of this that nobody else talks about. So no, I completely agree. And, you know, the, that's the problem is a lot of people, young and old, you know, people our age, um, you know, people older than us, people younger than us, um, a lot of people just don't see the big picture. They have tunnel vision with the game. And it's like, well, you know, all I care about is my mode, the one that I play um, play with. And all I care about is my issues, etc. And they're not thinking about the big picture and their fellow gamer and so no i i definitely agree i'm glad that we talked about those two tweets because like i said i sent those to you immediately oh, oh and yeah, i would yeah. and we it, gotta we gotta discuss this and, and it is that elitism i mean i i do, I do you know to, to finish up my point on uh on pro-am and, and the wreck uh, i mean the idea is that if you don't have a squad a full squad you go to the wreck you join up with some people maybe you make some new friends and you form a squad and if they'd cultivated a, a friendlier atmosphere online in theory that might work in practice, it doesn't because they have cultivated this elitist, toxic atmosphere. And as far as Team Prime goes, I understand the, the desire to only have five users per side and not allow less because, you know, it is supposed to be the that competitive scene, that online team play, uh, AI players have their issues, obviously. But you could have those matchmaking options that allow people who are okay with playing with AI players to... If, if they don't want to go to the wreck and they're fine with having AI players stand in just so they can get a game with their squad, with their organized squad, and other teams are, are happy with, to do that the same, have those matchmaking options so those teams can match up and people who never want to play with AI, never want to play with bots, never have to. All you need is that matchmaking option. But there are still some people that will stand in their way because if they're doing that, even though everybody's getting their way, somebody is not getting their way while somebody else doesn't you're not getting your way at the expense of someone else and it's just like it's just like Derek getting exactly what you want for Christmas but your sibling gets what they want too so you're unhappy about that because you got your what you want but so did somebody else and so you you didn't get something at the expense of somebody else you're treating it like a zero sum game basically and it's it's what's so toxic about that that attitude that that you could cater to everybody and that's ideally the games should be able to cater to as many people as possible at least and if you can do that without encroaching and ruining anybody else's good time, you should want that for each other because you can still play the way you want and not have to worry about th that issue or that mechanic that you don't want to play with or that mode, uh, but, but other people are able to enjoy it as well. But you don't see that because you have that, that tunnel vision, as you said, that toxicity, that elitism, that, uh, you know, that zero-sum thinking that, uh, and that whole attitude of, you know, I, I, want, I want the game my way and even if there's a way for other people to have the game their way without encroaching on me, I still want the game my way so I can point at them and laugh and say, I've got what I want, you don't, this is how the game should be, you suck. And it's totally toxic and the game caters to that. And that's why the online scene sucks. Well, I have a couple more things to say and then we got to get to your NBA 2K14 micro updates really quick. Um, because I know that Nate wants to hear that and um, I definitely don't mind hearing it either. Um, you know, we're not saying this stuff either because, you know, Oh, look, we, well, we're half tunnel vision. We're not saying it because, you know, we're, this is the way we think the mode should be. And we're not listening to the average gamer. The bottom line is, is that we've seen the, um, the response to the 
online connected modes and the gameplay overall or since you know 2k18 for the series and the majority of the comments are not positive i'm going to be completely honest with you and um you know a lot of people are really frustrated with the game they're frustrated with the lack of skill gap they're frustrated with some of the gameplay mechanics you know how it's so um, gambling mechanic driven etc this isn't just us saying you know what we don't like about the game in the mechanics and whatnot it's what we're hearing a lot of the community discuss as well and i think you can agree with that oh spot on absolutely it's like saying oh nobody plays franchise modes they should be removed from the game no they shouldn't because their presence doesn't hurt the online scene or my career or anything else or play now online or anything else anybody wants to play we should want the game to be as good as it can be for everybody we should have these should want these options for people i understand the objection to certain mechanics being looked at upon as cheesy but you know i think real player percent i think that's the least of the cheesy problems the least of the problems when it comes to cheese in the online scene compared to badges curry slides and and everything all those other exploits you know so if you're going to talk about skill gap you want to also get rid of those as well but a lot of people don't because they're reliable techniques again uh play sim but at your own peril so those two tweets were, were very much connected absolutely Right, you know, King J. Mason, real quick, and then I want to throw it to you for the 2K14 My Career update. King J. Mason is doing something pretty awesome. You know, he streams a lot um, on Blacktop. He connects with people on Parsec. He's using all the different Blacktop mods for the PC. And what he's done is he's kind of creating this, I don't know, this little community of fair online gaming, right? Fair connected um, blacktop gaming, rec play, um, rec gaming, city gaming, all of that stuff. He's doing it so it's to get away from. And him and I have talked about this before. It's to get away from that toxic online scene, that that unfair online scene that 2K has kind of created within their game. And he's kind of creating his own community um, and having a lot of fun. And everybody who connects to him, I've, I've tuned into some of his streams is just ha and, you know, connecting to him on Parsec. They're just having a blast playing, you know, you know, basketball and, you know, sure. Sometimes you'll get a cheeser in there. who's trying to do the same move over and over again. Sure. You'll have somebody who's constantly over dribbling, who maybe doesn't know too much about basketball. So he's just trying to spam the joystick and whatnot. Um, you're always going to have those people from time to time, but, you know, he's basically just trying to create a more positive and fun basketball gaming experience um, in the online scene. And I think he's doing a pretty good job of that. No, hats off to him. Uh, absolutely. And, and it does go to show that there is a community that wants to to play that way and to ha have that uh, that sportsmanship and that great competitive environment. And as you said before, the, the fact that there's so many people have those negative comments about the online scene suggests that the majority is not happy or as, as uh, satisfied with it as they uh, want to be and, and could be if it was a better uh, situation. So I think that speaks volumes. I mean, if it's just a small group of malcontents who who don't want to take the L's like a grown-ass adult or whatever you want to say, or or, or they're unsportsmanlike and they, and they don't want the competition, they just want to cheese or whatever. If that was just a small group of people uh, with those complaints, you might say, well, okay, you're just a, a um, an unhappy vocal minority that's uh, that's going against the grain. But with, with so many people having these complaints, that suggests that there actually is a problem with the game. Because, look, we're not saying that the developers don't work hard. We're not saying they're not trying to make a fun game. Of course, there are other factors such as microtransactions. But, uh, yeah, it's 
it, the, the problems are there. Uh, we, we There's no need for us to... We don't need to be rude about them. That's not productive at all. We've said that so many times before. Constructive feedback is the way to go. But yeah, the, the shouting down is, is the thing that I think continues to be a bugbear for both you and I, Derek, is that so many people can't say look we enjoy the games we like the concepts but, but this could be better and this could be better for everybody and you know everybody should enjoy these games because that's what gaming is supposed to be about hey it's why we're going back to these old games as we've said before because we avoid all that toxicity i mean you don't, you don't play online anyway so you, you've avoided it more than i have but even with some of the issues with the offline play you know don't have to work to have fun to just enjoy the game because games are supposed to be an enjoyable pastime and yes competitive uh, play is part of fun for a lot of people. It's why we play head to head. But to that point, the game still needs to have that great competitive atmosphere and those strong mechanics. Uh, if if not, it, it's just not fun. Yeah, I mean, and look how much happier you've been since you've been away from that scene, and since you focused <laughs> yeah, more very on two K fourteen, my career, revisiting NBA Live ten, um, revisiting NBA Live oh six, and you know, connecting with me on Parsec and getting some games in, and even participating in one of the tournaments. You've you're a changed man. You seem very, you seem much happier. Um, so speaking of that, NBA 2K14, my career, you're still on season three. The season's trucking along. You're still playing every single game. Um, you're still trying to get your rookie, Hanson, the rookie of the year. Um, why don't we get an update on, you know, where you're at? Sure. So I'm actually in the final weeks of the season now, up to game uh, 76. So they're definitely trucking along with that. Uh I'm still leading the league in every category, still averaging the triple-double, you know, doing the thing and dominating the league as you do once you upgrade your my player in my career in the uh, in the NBA side of things. Uh, still challenging myself to uh, to put up those numbers. And as you said, get Terry Hansen, the Rookie of the Year. Um, optimistic that that could still happen. Uh, so um, looking, at, looking at my uh, my career stats adding up and getting slowly getting all of those. Uh, I mean, I've already qualified for the Hall of Fame, but my, my goal is to get all of them you know, overkill on that and get all of those ticked off and to uh, to really put together those uh, Hall of Fame career stats. So that's uh, that's been you know, what, why I'm playing every single game and loving the gameplay, obviously. But I do have some uh, some uh, amusing uh, observations to uh, to share this week. Uh, so Udonis Haslam, of course, is still playing in the NBA, Derek, uh, as of the uh, 2022 season, uh, 19 years in the league, all with the, the heat. Uh, I, think, I think that's probably the longest tenure for an undrafted player in league history. I think that sounds about right. But unfortunately, in the uh, in year three of my uh, 2K14, my career, he is a free agent. The, the Heat let him go, so it looks like his career may be over prematurely, which is kind of a shame. But more uh, surprising is Draymond Green is completely gone out of the league. He doesn't appear to be in the free agent pool. He's not on the Warriors. He has just given up basketball after a couple of years. So it seems. Uh, shout out to uh, Zelsina One on uh, on Twitter. Uh, f- follows me on Twitter and is always uh, has very kind words to say about my my career and uh, you know taking the interest in those updates. Very much appreciate that, uh, Lucina. Uh, yes, yeah, as <laughs> suggests in this universe, Draymond retired early to focus solely on being a troll on social media and making even bigger money than it would in the NBA. So yes, I like that. I'm going to add that to my story. That is now canon. That is what Draymond Green is doing in my uh, my career. But uh, yeah, that shocked me to see that uh, that he just was out of the league in, t- in a couple of years because I don't think his ratings are that low that he would get shunted out of the league that quickly. But I might have to take another look at the default rosters of of two K fourteen. That they might be that low. But but yeah, that surprised me. I'm, I was I played the Warriors and was like, where's Draymond? I, I can't see him. And then I looked at the roster afterwards, and wow, he's nowhere and doesn't appear to be in the free agents either. That was weird. 
If he hadn't been, yeah, I mean, if he hadn't come to the NBA, if he hadn't made the NBA or been a success in the NBA, you could totally see him as a reality TV superstar or a media, a, um, a loud media personality and whatnot. Um, for some reason, I feel like if Draymond Green wasn't in the NBA, um, we'd still be hearing from him. You know what I mean? Yes. One or another. Um, so, yeah, that is that is shocking that that actually happened in NBA 2K14 in, in your my career. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, he could still have a career on TV if he wasn't playing basketball. Yeah, maybe, maybe he is. Uh, maybe he's, he, we can see he's a, a studio analyst, or perhaps he, he retired to that. And, uh, of course, do sh- uh, shout out to the real Draymond Green, of course, setting up the, uh, the fund for his um, uh, former college teammate who passed away, Adrian Payne. Um, uh, quite tragically, that was that was um, you know good move by Draymond there. He called Kendrick Perkins a big ogre, so that's a feud <laughs> that's going on right now. Kendrick Perkins criticized Draymond Green in a recent playoff game, and and Draymond Green didn't like it, so he called Kendrick Perkins a big ogre. So got that feud going on. So so Draymond has kind of um, embraced the comparisons to Donkey from Shrek. So is this a Shrek versus Donkey now? Shrek, Shrek and Donkey will never be anything but Glenn Davis and Nate Robinson for the Boston Celtics. I don't know if you remember that from when they were in the playoffs and both of them were performing incredibly well and they were having their um, their postgame pressure. And I think they I can't remember which one of them said it, but they said we're like Shrek and Donkey. <laughs> uh, so that's for, for forever. Glenn Davis and Nate Robinson will be Shrek and Donkey for me. No, that, that is fair enough. But um, uh, so, of course, uh, LeBron went to the Lakers early in this uh, in this reality after the uh, after the twenty fourteen season, where he's teaming up with Kobe Bryant. Uh, so I, de- I defeated them one hundred twenty two to one hundred five, and was leading pretty much the whole game. I had better stats than LeBron, just uh, I think a rebound short of a triple double. He had uh, thirty points, meant four rebounds, three assists. Uh, not quite LeBron numbers as far as those rebounds in Cisco, but anyway, I outplayed him. But he was still the player that was interviewed post-game with Doris Burke talking about how he turned it around in the second half, which is funny because we continued to lead throughout the second half and won. And, I mean, it's obviously done because he's the cover player, he's one of the players they got to record real voice for the interviews and, and so forth. But it reminded me so much of talking heads these days, Derek, that even when LeBron is not in the playoffs, somehow they, they make it about him and bring him up. So that even even though we beat the Lakers with LeBron on the team and won by double digits, there was no turnaround in the second half. They're still interviewing him after the game as if he won and treating it like a victory. And I was like, this is such a great example of a video game replicating real life. I, I had to laugh. Well, politics don't stop. Well, politics don't stop in the video games. You know that. True. Um, so that windmill off Burt sent in a highlight, an amazing highlight of a dunk he did um, – using the Lakers in um, on NBA 2K22. And on one end of the court, there's just an ill-advised pass thrown. And LeBron is the one who intercepted the pass. He passes it up. And it's a wide-open dunk, but it is an unbelievable dunk contest style, like, like 180 neek-type pump between the legs, reverse dunk. I don't know if you remember that. It was in one of the recent top tens. But the entire time while that the they're showing the replay, um, you know, the game shows its automatic replay of that unbelievable jam. Doris Burke is just absolutely going off about LeBron's steal. So not talking about the dunk, nothing like that. The commentary is Doris Burke saying LeBron 
always there. His lightning quick hand, you better watch out. Or something like that. Just talking all about LeBron, who just, just was in, just standing in space, and the ball just went to him for a steal. But yeah, even then, they can't talk about the dunk. All they're doing is talking about LeBron. So Doris Burke loves LeBron. You know that. Yes. I mean, it's, it's constant through, like, the last four games, four video, four NBA 2Ks, the unbelievable comments about LeBron from Doris Burke. It's just constant. Sim comes in all flavors, not just on the sticks, but also in the presentation as well. But but that did tickle me the the idea that uh, they they interviewed him after the game after after a loss and were treating it like he'd won uh, after a big second half comeback, which he uh, which he did not make. But they they are second in the West uh, to the Blazers, uh, leading the the Western Conference there. Um, it'd be interesting either if either of them come out of the West, and hopefully I'm obviously looking to come out of the East with the 76ers uh, because the, the first championship in the rookie year uh, beat the Blazers, so that'll be a great uh, rematch there, a fun, uh, you know, continuing that history. And, of course, if the Lakers come out, you know, going up against LeBron and Kobe in the finals and you know, the 76ers and Lakers obviously have clashed multiple times in the finals as well. So I, I love that backstory that's driven by the real NBA, which, is, which has been a big part of why I've enjoyed 2K14, uh, my career so much, that focus on the NBA side of things. Uh, I did have a 45-game winning streak broken by the Pistons. Uh, Jackson Ellis, who, of course, is the rival in uh, 2K14, my career story, uh, plays for the Pistons. So that was uh, both appropriate and heartbreaking that he was the one to uh, to end the streak. Uh, yeah, he just had a great game. I was uh, on, back on my heels trying to defend him. Uh, did outscore him, but he did put up 40 points on me, which is uh, unusual. But, uh, yeah, so that was... Uh, but, you know, all, all good things must come to an end, uh, and I'm looking to dust myself off and uh, finish strong. Uh, currently got a record of 70-5, and five, so, yeah, so not doing too bad on the regular season. In pretty good shape heading into the playoffs. Everybody's healthy. Um, Camilo Anthony's uh, up to his scoring average this year because I'm trying to feed him more and let him uh, do his thing. Uh, Terry Hansen, again, going for the Rookie of the Year. So it's been, uh, been very re- rewarding still, uh, not getting tired of it. Uh, looking to play uh, uh, every single game for at least a couple more seasons, uh, weighing up the options of what, what I want to do when the rookie contract is up. Uh, didn't end up trading uh, Tristan Thompson, so he's upset on the bench. Uh, that's not ruining the chemistry. Well, you would think that you think he'd be happy that he's at least contending for a championship. But uh, yeah, so that's that, that's my update. So I uh, hope you enjoy uh, hope you enjoyed that, and hope you enjoy that, Nate, and everybody else. Tristan Thompson is still probably getting paid for being on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I think he's doing just fine income-wise from the NBA and, and from his uh, TV contracts and and whatnot. Um, well, thanks for um, for doing that. Uh, I mean, Jackson Ellis didn't put on a Delonte West-type performance, but it sounds like he still played pretty well. I mean, he scored 29 in the first half. He, he was going off, and uh, I got in foul trouble, so I had to uh, be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, a little bit careful. And, uh, <laughs> yes... Uh, but it, they they were up by as much as as thirty five I think at one point I ended up uh, cutting it down to single digits but just ran out of time you know as the great Bill Russell says you know we we never we never look at it like we lose we just ran out of time and uh, right. <laughs> I definitely ran out of time in that one yes right but Cavs four eight seven two with Delonte West had thirty nine points in the second half in a playoff game and he did it in twelve minutes yes. so sorry Jackson Jackson Ellis you couldn't compete with. Delonte West. I, I was excited to start that series for the NLSC channel, and I hope people enjoy that. Um, whenever a great performance 
comes up that you know that happens via a parsec session via one of our tournaments maybe is submitted from um the community and whatnot um they will have a video uploaded to the nlsc youtube um and it will be for the nlsc greatest performances series and you know i uploaded started that and uploaded the first video recently and it was of that delante west uh, performance on NBA Live 10, where he does score 39 points in 12 minutes in the second half of a tournament game. And um, I encourage you to go and, uh, you know, view that on the NLSE YouTube. No, I, I love it. It's what we've talked about so often, the, the virtual hardwood legends. And sometimes it is the stars having incredible performances that reflect reality. And sometimes it is the role players just doing things. And, and certainly role players do have some big games in, in real life. I mean, we all remember the Tony Delks, the Corey Brewers of the world, dropping 50 points in a game when you know when you don't really think about them as the top scorers in the league and whatnot. I mean, a Kobe or an MJ. Sorry, Miller did it. Yeah, and Andre Miller did it with no threes, which exactly, is pretty yeah. impressive. I mean, a Steph Curry, uh, you know, a LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Will Chamberlain, um, Dominic Wilkins, you know, Larry Bird. The, these great players of the past who would uh, cream, you know, put up big, big scoring numbers. I mean, it was always impressive. It was always fun to watch. But, you know, you weren't surprised. If MJ went off for 50, you're like, well, that's that's what he does. Tony Delk, Corey Brewer, uh, Andre Miller, you, that's, uh, that does surprise you a little bit more. And that's always fun to see. But but it often happens in, in games. And that, that's what makes them. Um, it endears you, endears them to you in games and sometimes real life as well. So I, I think there's probably a lot of people can relate to uh, becoming fans of players in in real life because they, were, uh, they put up a ridiculous performance for them in the... Uh, in video games. Oh, no, we're, de- we're definitely that way. We became fans of Walter Herman, um, who people probably remember from briefly playing with the Bobcats and the Detroit Pistons. We became a fan of him because of his performances in the mid to late 2000s NBA 2Ks. Um, Fabio. So, yeah, Fabio. That could, that we called him Fabio. Yeah, we still call him Fabio. Um, and we still like say, I can't believe it when we're using him in the video game like i can't believe it's not butter which <laughs> yeah. fabio um advertised and whatnot so yeah we still have those jokes and and um we still use them whenever we can in video games whether he's modded in or um or if he's actually in the game um i did want to say that ken and ken and i still though 33 have continued our nba 2k 1994-95 my league and right now i'm 12 games in on the supersonic season um, he's, um, 13 games in on the magic season and it has been so fun. Again, we're being our opponents every game. We're playing in the same, my league and, um, the season's trucking along. We're getting close to where the, um, award races are going to start showing up. Uh, and whatnot um mvp defensive player of the year and all of that stuff so that's going to be really cool and then the all-star voting will show up etc and right now he's 10 and 3 um i'm 12 and 0 but the games have just been so fun we played another one today he played against the knicks uh with the orlando magic and i'll we'll have to have him on again to talk about the season and what's going on and whatnot and some of the great games that we've had Oh, definitely. We are looking to get uh, you know our friends back on the podcast uh, periodically. Get some other people from the community on it uh, and, and talk to them about their their history in the uh, in the basketball gaming community and and what they what they love doing. But um, I love seeing those highlights. Uh, Sean Kemp is is a highlight uh, machine as he was. And I mean Dominic Wilkins is the human highlight reel, but uh, the Rain Man he was a pretty pretty good uh, highlight producer himself. 
I'm having a blast using Sean Kemp. I'm having a blast using the Supersonics team. Um, I would say that Shaq and Penny have an equal um, amount of highlights as Sean Kemp. Um, would still do using them. And how about that Jason Kidd pass mm. that I put at the top 10 this week from it was me, the Supersonics versus him, the Mavericks. And of course, 94, 95 as the triple J's on the Mavericks. It's Jason Kidd, Jim Jackson and Jamal Mashburn. He played me close for most of that game. I think I ended up winning by 10 to 15 points, but he was, he played very well with that team, but he threw a pass with Jason Kidd behind his back going away from the receiver um i would say probably about a 20 foot behind the back pass maybe 20 25 feet that hit jamal mashburn right on the numbers in the corner for a three and it went in nothing but net um yeah what a pass there's just been so many great highlights i can't wait to put the dunk reel together soon for the first 20 games of the season and yeah it just I still can't believe we're doing this. I still can't believe that, you know, he lives in Indiana. I'm here, you know, an hour outside of Boston, Massachusetts. I live in Dover, New Hampshire. And, um, you know, we're playing a modded season on a PC NBA 2K and we're playing every game against each other. And it's like we're sitting on the couch next to each other. Um, it's just wild. That Jason Kidd pass, well, that was that was classic J-Kidd. Like that, that was the kind of pass that he was throwing as a as a young man on those on those Mavericks teams. Just as you said, just hit uh, hit hit Monster Mash perfectly in the corner there, uh, knocked it down. Uh, Kemp on Robert Ory was was incredible too. Uh, if, if you when you when you put together that dunk reel, uh, my my suggestion is um, using the music from NBA Live '95 because of the '95 uh, season. That that's my pitch. Uh, yeah, I've already actually experimented with that. Um, it doesn't flow as well as you would think with the dunks mm. in the gameplay. Um, I may have to seek out an alternate option, um, but I may use it. Um, I have actually a couple different versions of that song downloaded for that case, uh, you know, for the attempt to do that. And it's not just all about dunks either. There's been a lot of great dunks in the season, but as you saw with the Malik Seeley layup, that was um, when we first started the season that still the 33 did there's there's a lot of highlights that are not dunks that I definitely want to show people as well I mean you, you look at the top 10 this week uh, you know th- that uh, that block that you had in 2003 that that's the first time I've seen a grab block in 2003 I don't think I've ever seen that before yeah that was my brother Nick actually that did that that wasn't me we were playing on the same team but he was using Julius Irving there we played hundreds and hundreds of games of NBA Live 2003 back in the day. It was so popular in my house. All three of us played it, all three, my brothers and I. We do not remember ever having that snatch block. We don't remember that, that, that block animation ever happening. So immediately when that happened, my brother and I were like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, was happy that I caught the, was able to record it and everything. And I was like, that's going to, ha- that has to be in the top three of the top 10 this week. Um, so it got in there, but yeah, it, it was, it was just fantastic. It was one of those video game moments where you were like both simultaneously, like, holy blank. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. we were just like, Oh my God, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Very rare. Very cool uh, to see that in the, in the top 10. You did give me a, a sneak peek of that, uh, before the top 10 went live this week and uh, and thank you once again to everybody who's been contributing to that uh, thank you uh, to you Derek for for doing this for for a year the uh, rebooted top 10 uh, it's not going anywhere um as far as i know um put you on the spot there but um please keep sending in those highlights uh, people are just enjoying it 
uh, you know, some wonderful, uh, kind comments that show how much people are, are loving your work, Derek, and, uh, and, and celebrating games. And, and people are really getting into that celebration of games, past and present, that, uh, that yeah, it's, it's just so heartwarming that there's other people that uh, enjoy these games as we do, want to enjoy these games the way we do, and celebrate basketball gaming. And, and people are doing some cool stuff on the virtual hardwood and blacktop, so uh, please keep that coming. 52 weeks in a row of submitted highlights and you know just like a basketball gaming party that's the way i look at it it's just something that everybody can enjoy and i really love the fact that people dig the 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 well-rounded top 10 how it's not just the newest game right or the newest games it's we're going back to double dribble we're going back to double dribble arcade we're going back to um you know, Dunk Dream, uh, NBA Live 96, uh, NBA Live 99, you know, we're going, we're also doing Arcade, we're doing NBA Jam on Fire Edition, but we're also hitting the newer titles as well. We have the 2K19 highlights, 2K17, 2K22, NBA Live 19. It's really is a celebration of basketball gaming. And I get so excited every time I receive a highlight. Whenever somebody messages me on Twitter and says, hey, I have a highlight for you, where can I send it? I get super excited and send them the contact information immediately. When I get an email of a highlight, it gets downloaded immediately Um, because I love basketball gaming and I love getting highlights. I think it's amazing. And then, you know, I get to think about where it's going to be placed, what I can do with it to spice it up. You know, um, you know, do I need to smooth it out to um, make it even stand out even more, et cetera. I love being able to customize the top 10 and, make it fun for everybody so yeah please keep sending in those highlights and uh and speaking of your direction derek uh it's time to open up the mailbag to the mailman the what an unbelievable dunk so you put out the question as we said at the top of the show what is your favorite nba live of all time and a lot of people responding to that again nba live despite the ups and downs over the years does resonate with people a lot of nostalgia there a lot of people, that was one of their first uh, basketball games they played, a game in the live series, if not the first. And as we said, a lot of great responses. So first up is uh, is uh, King J. Mace, uh, mentions NBA Live 2003 with uh, the aforementioned J. Kid on the cover. Played it at my grandma's house so much, PlayStation 2 era. Now, uh, Mace uh, made me feel very old when I saw a tweet of his that mentioned his age and his, some of the first games he played um, made me feel like an old man of 37 that I am. But uh, 2003 is a game that I've seen a lot. A lot of people mention 2003 in these responses. Uh, I'm seeing it, uh, a, a lot of nostalgia for that, Derek. And, and I've spoken about it before, but I remember that in our community there was a bit of disappointment because it, they wanted a bit more bit more of a slower pace game, a bit more sim. Some of the court, the courtside company cutscenes, as we call them, uh, didn't resonate with everybody. Uh, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with them myself. Uh, the big blocks that would boom down to the other end of the court were not as uh, realistic as some people would like. Uh, but of course, a lot of innovation with the uh, with, with right stick dribbling, with freestyle control being brought in. And it's a game that I want to revisit again. I did for the 25th anniversary of NBA Live uh, celebrations with my retrospectives. But as you know me, Derek, I'm, I'm constantly looking to go back and reevaluate these games and see, has my opinion changed on this? Am I feeling a bit better about this these days? It doesn't hold up as well as I thought it did. Uh, because sometimes I do change my mind on these games, uh, you know, if I've had a bit of a negative impression of them for one reason or another. But when I can go back and look at them with, with fresh eyes and uh, not not the expectation, no expectations of it being the latest game and the you know the newest game that I want to play, sometimes I enjoy these games a lot more. And 2003, I think, is... Uh, for some of the complaints that a few of us have as far as the 
uh, realism or the speed or whatnot. Uh, such an important milestone release with the freestyle control and, and a pretty damn fun game when, when, when you're not too worried about uh, total sim. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a favorite of a lot of people because, like you said, it is the first year of the right stick dribbling, the freestyle control. But then also the soundtrack is incredibly memorable. I want to say it went platinum. Um, it did for the uh, first uh, video game soundtrack to do so yes yeah i mean that's huge um it had a lot of great tracks on it uh, a lot of people get a lot of nostalgia over soundtracks and atmosphere and presentation and whatnot um so i think it did have a lot going for it um also things like those booming blocks and whatnot and the you know the dunk variation and everything that was also new in its own right as well whether you liked it or not um, and I think that that also is something that people remember fondly, I think, more often than not. So my brother and I actually have been revisiting NBA Live 2003, as you know, because one of the um, highlights got into the top 10. We also have a season on Live 2004, and we've actually been enjoying Live 2003 a little bit more. And the biggest reason why is because there's way less suction issues with live 2003 like when in live 2004 you feel like you're um when you drive it doesn't matter like if you're five steps ahead of somebody they'll like be suctioned into your body a lot of times and it will like force you to miss something which should have been like a wide open layup or dunk and that doesn't happen in nba live 2003 it doesn't have that same suction issue um and then also in NBA Live 2004, you'll have this situation where the computer assistance, even with it off, so like the momentum, let's say, the computer's momentum is so insane that you can just be driving for like five minutes straight, driving or getting fat, or got it, getting out on the fast break and constantly be, be, be like sucked into the computer defense and they're just blocking you or stopping you from all different angles because of that suction. So my brother Nick and I actually have been enjoying Live 2003 a bit more than Live 2004. Sure, it's missing the pro hop. Like, that's not in NBA Live 2003. It doesn't have the hop step. But the rest of the gameplay for us seems just a little bit more balanced than Live 2004. Now, I'd like to spend more time with it, as I said. And now that we've got you set up with it on PC, we can check out some of those old mods. And, of course, get that NBA NBA Live Street 2003 mod set up and working. We'd have so much fun with that. Imagine the community playing that. They would have a blast. So next up, we have Knowledgebone at the Harassment on Twitter. Uh, probably 95, because it was such a game-changer and so different than its predecessors. But maybe 96, because of the free agent pool and creator player. You don't like Jordan and some others in there. Plus, it was the first with multiple camera angles, which at the time was mind-blown emoji. Uh, yeah, I mean, 95 and 96, I, I both love. Uh, 95 is the first game in the series that I played. Uh, I've since gone back and played earlier games like Lakers versus Celtics, of course, and Bulls versus Blazers, etc. Uh, but it was a game-changer, you know, bringing in that isometric camera angle, adding the sprint control, turbo as it was known at the time, um, re- revamping the speed, having all the player ratings as they did, and, and, the, and all the stat tracking, the... It says in the instruction manual, you know, it's put away the uh, put away the almanac. It's all there in the game. Uh, yeah, ninety five. Uh, what what really was a game changer? Yeah, I mean, look, we've talked about it before. The pace was just so much faster and arcade slash sim like than um, a game like NBA Showdown ninety four. Right. So um, it definitely was a game changer pace wise. And I was, you know, talking with you about this before 
uh, about the camera views in NBA Live 96. There's so many different ones. Isn't it great for the PC version? You have so many different camera options. Um, and I think that's really unique and cool for for the time. Um, you know, side note, NBA Live 2000. How about that instant replay feature and all the different options and angles and customization with that? Oh, the highlight, the that, highlight camera angles, absolutely. Oh my god, there's there's how many are there? There's so many of them. It's like at least twenty. Opera. I want to say at least twenty. When you when you select yeah. highlight and then it brings up this sub menu of that, I'd say there's at least twenty different angles and different close ups and different angles, slam cam, uh, baseline, corner, etc. And and it you can get the shot you want, quite frankly. Oh yeah, 100%. It's been absolutely great for when highlights happen and you know, we pause it immediately and you want to go in and get a closer up angle. So, you know, if it's in the top 10 or whatever, people can see it closer like that Jordan dunk. Remember I did that side by side with the Jordan dunk and whatnot um, of different angles, but yeah, no, it's great. And, and I agree. NBA live 95 and live 96, just total game changer pace wise. And it gave people who liked games like NBA jam. It gave them the opportunity to have a fun, fast paced experience, but in the sim environment. And I think that's key. And of course, unlocking plays in the uh, super Nintendo version of, uh, of 96 as well. The uh, NBA wasn't too happy about that and the hidden legends and whatnot, but it's one of those cool features that's there. But uh, yes, the almost cost them the NBA license back in the day, according to uh, Rod Redekop, a former producer on the series. So uh, fortunately, they were able to get past that. But uh, uh, DC at Eric B3323 on Twitter also says 95, uh, once again says a total game changer. I think a lot of people feel that way uh, in the way basketball was played on consoles. Uh, MF Don at uh, Don Mega underscore C. Uh, also says Live 96 Super Nintendo felt it improved in 95 in all the right ways. Also enjoyed the PS1 version. Yeah, 96 has very distinct versions. You've got the 16-bit version in Genesis and Super Nintendo, of course. Then you've got the PC version and PlayStation 1 all coming out at different times. And they've all got a, some things that are a little bit different. Uh, PlayStation 1 version is actually the latest release, so it has the most up-to-date rosters. Uh, very close to the uh, PC version, actually, uh, and has some extra details such as... Um, such as uh, accessories, player accessories, armbands and whatnot. Uh, but, and it has a few players that were missing from the PC version, like uh, Terry Cummings, Howard Isley. Um, and I know this because of all the rosters I've made for Live 96 PC for the 96 season um, and up getting that up to date. But it was missing creator player. But yeah, the, there's the different versions of 96. I need to do an article about that at some point, Derek, because that's very interesting to me. Yeah, I, I also want to point out uh, NBA Live 96 still had the best presentation for the PC. Incredible. The PC version had the best presentation. Almost any basketball game I ever played, maybe the best ever. Um, I still can't get over it. I, I put it on just to look, go through the menus and whatnot and look at the, the profile screens and everything. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, also, what's, what, I, I, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. You probably have in the past. One thing that struck me as odd when I first started playing it, but I like it now, on NBA Live 96 for the PC, is the oversized rim. The rim is huge like it is much bigger um than say like the super nes version um but i've actually grown to like it and i love the way the ball goes through it and everything so i'm like all right i accept it <laughs> it's fine i don't want to change it but definitely a much it's like a bigger rim on the pc version of nba live 96 you know i hadn't really thought about that but but you're right it absolutely is bigger but it does have a very nice uh, swish animation i agree on pc oh it's amazing doesn't it feel great to hit shots very sat like, very satisfying feels- yeah 
And the funny, the funny thing about the games of that time, and it was really up until the early 2000s that it did it, but I, I kind of, you know, it's funny to look back on now, but I, I enjoy it in a nostalgic kind of way, is that when you're shooting free throws and you, you brick a free throw, it actually bends the breakaway rim down. Like, it's like, that's how badly you missed the free throw that you bent the rim on the, on the missed free throw. Well, nothing's, nothing's more jarring than the first time you actually get a dunk in NBA Live 2002 and you see the entire backboard mm. and the stanchion and everything just absolutely rock like it's Rubber. in a twister. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, oh my God. Um, but what, I still, I actually still think that that's a unique and fun aspect of NBA Live 2002. Sure, it's not sim or anything, but I, I actually still like it. I remember being bothered at the time, but I look back at it now and think, yeah, that, that, that's a, it's a kind of a, a signature of Live 2002, and you do appreciate, for sure, those little touches that games had that made them stand out. And even, you know, I, I mentioned the courtside comedy cutscenes, as we always called them, based on the old uh, VHS, NBA courtside comedy, uh, NBA Live 2003. You know, they were a bit, a bit too, the silly ones came around a bit too often and whatnot, and it's funny to see Kwame Brown uh, chewing out Michael Jordan for not paying attention during a timeout and things like that. But you, I also, even though it wasn't necessarily the tone I'd like for a game, uh, and, and I think 2004 went in the right direction, making, getting a little bit more serious about that stuff, but I still enjoy it for what it is. It, it's still fun to go back and see those scenes. There's a lot of character in them, and I do appreciate it for that. Well, I also like the idea that you can turn them off. Like, my brother and I went in on the PC version of Live 2003, and we shut off the cutscenes. So we don't like see them. Wait, there's an Not option to, to, to shut off the cutscenes. There is. So wow. There is an option to shut them off. Um, you'll have a random one every now and then. I think like when a player enters the game or something like that. I want to say we saw that. But um, as far as like interruptions when we're playing, we have none. Basically, we're Today just I learned. playing. Today I learned. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I would I would go on there next time. Maybe you can connect to me too at some point. We can get a game in, um, and you can see that there's like. Um, there's like a option. I don't know if it's called cutscenes. Um, I think it is or something like that, but there is a slider for it. Um, I believe. And we, we shut it off. Makes sense. Okay. Just <laughs> no, to say today I learned, I will have to go back and look at that, but, uh, I do appreciate them for what they are all the same. But, uh, uh, speaking of live 2001 for PS one, um, some Charles Henderson at, uh, charter 04 slider on uh, Twitter says live 2000 for PS one had MJ in the game. Also just love the gameplay that year. And uh, second choice would be NBA Live 96 for Sega, uh, the 16-bit version, same as Super Nintendo, of course. Live 2000, I think, is just such a landmark release. Uh, PC version is the best version. Uh, I'll, I'll just put that out there. But PS1 is, is pretty close second, I'd say. Uh, had all the legends. Uh, Nintendo 64 version, the weakest. No surprise there. Uh, only had MJ, but of course, if you can have a legend, by all means, have MJ in the game. But uh, yeah, uh, NBA Live 2000, I think, is a, a popular one for older gamers uh, as well. Right. Well, I think one of the problems with the PS1 version um, is, while I enjoy it, I don't think that it's quite as strong as the PC version, so I'll always stick with that. But also, the legends were locked, yeah. unless you completed feats within the game. So, um, there were cheat codes, I guess, there were, for yes. the PlayStation yep. 1 version, um, but they don't work anymore, from what I can tell. They're, I did everything in in my power to get them to work on the PlayStation one version. And mm. I could not. Um, so I think that that was kind of a bummer in the PlayStation version, um, to not have those legends unlocked by default. Agreed. I'm guessing looking back, it was because the PS one version didn't have a uh, franchise mode, which debut uh, only the PC version did. So I'm guessing that was kind of like extra content to make up for that. that that'd be my speculation. 
Right. I mean, that makes sense. But I mean, I guess if you're going to finally put Jordan back in the game and, you know, he agrees to be back in the NBA live series, uh, you could, the least you could do is just make him like available right Playable away. Straight away. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. Our friend, Steven, the live King at Steve from the dot NBA live Oh nine. Uh, citing uh, features and the ability to heavily customize the gameplay and player ratings. A lot of sliders in NBA Live at the time. And yes, I, I believe that was the first year they added the ability to uh, quick edit or do mass ratings edits within the game, which is something we were able to do with the externally with the NBA Live toolkits way back in the day for NBA Live PC. But yeah, little things like that go a long way in being able to get the game. If, if you're not happy with the ratings out of the box, to be able to make those mass uh, edits without having to go through and change over 400 plays in the league. Uh, and of course, they brought in the Dynamic DNA and they had the uh, NBA Live Academy, uh, Made Fresh Daily, those updates and everything. Uh, Live 09, um, it's kind of like NBA Live 99, ends in 9, obviously, but it comes between uh, the 08 the and 98, which were a step forward from the uh, previous year, but also before that really great release, Live 2000 and Live 10. Uh, you kind of overlook 99 and 09. I've kind of always seen them as as being uh, uh, kindred games in that way. The, 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 both, the, both those uh, nine releases, if you will, that they're very good games in their own right. But because of the game that came after them uh, and some of the improvements, some of the improvements in the game before them and the huge jump in the game that came after them, kind of overlooked but i do like 09 very much yeah the dynamic updates the dynamic dna that um that was really a game changer for the time right and a lot of people did like that because you know let's say dirk Nowitzki was trending one way um and he was he we went through like a streak of playing really well and shooting from certain spots on the floor more effectively and everything the game would update that so then when you use dirk you'd want to take shots from those spots right like it had those dynamic updates and um obviously that goes away once um the game is no longer online and they're not updating it anymore so that's something that you lose so that kind of stinks um however at the same time live 09 in my opinion is not as strong gameplay wise as nba live 10 um i think that nba live 10 um improved a lot as far as um the options on the floor um, via the size ups and via um, the control with the dribble. Um, I think that the post game got a little bit better in NBA live 10 as well. You could do a little bit more. I thought playing defense was also more fun in that game. So I think that NBA live 10 overall from a gameplay perspective is better um, for me. I also think they improved on a lot of the animations, but I can still go back and have a good time with NBA live 09. Agreed. No, I, that's that's fair. I think I I also would prefer ten. I do prefer ten to oh nine. But uh, yeah, I do think oh nine's a bit overlooked in that respect. Even if it didn't get everything right, uh, it it made that those big strides by bringing in dynamic DNA and the updates and it the the, the synergy uh, stats and the the, the synergy data that uh, was powering the, the way players were were playing and and some people looked at that name dynamic DNA and thought it was a very gimmicky idea, but it, it was what we were asking for for years, having players play like their real life selves and having their real life tendencies and everything. And you can see that's a stepping stone towards a lot of the attributes we have in more recent games and the games that would follow. That, that really expanded on player differentiation and uh, and, and reality. 100%. And, you know, I, I want to point something out. I mean, they're kind of doing that stuff um, 
in with like NBA 2K22, right? At least that's what they say. Um, but the updates don't seem to come that often and they don't really seem to be adjusting um, things like hot zones for players. And, and you know, they, they, they don't seem to be making um, as many adjustments or not even close to as many adjustments as they were making back then for NBA Live 09. So I think it is quite a bit different and quite a bit more, as they say, dynamic than what's going on with, like, say, NBA 2K22 and whatnot and the updates they do for that. I think it was more, um, I think it was a more sophisticated system. I think there were more hands on it. And I think it mattered more back then when they were doing it for NBA Live 09. Well, I mean, it's all about Crocs these days. So what can you do? Right. Crocs, skateboards, backpacks, cowboy hats, um, and apparently just giving 2K money. I think that's what it's about. Unfortunately so. Dante Campana at Dante Campana on Twitter. Uh, such a tough question to answer. Uh, I'll go on a limb and say NBA Live 97 for PC. The first to introduce 3D players, real uniforms, and a PA announcer. Just love listening to Sharif Abdurrahim. And I haven't done that very good. Uh, I haven't done that justice, but uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, every time I scored a basket with him, uh, Mitch Richmond cover wasn't bad either. Yeah, now Live 97, that, that's, I don't see that as a very popular pick for you know best game or favorite game in the series. Uh, I do like 97. Uh, you know how much I love those menus. I did a Way Back Wednesday just on those menus alone, those um, that delightfully 90s menus they have. And, uh, and yeah, it did, really did make that leap in graphics and having those uh, actual jerseys and, and more audio there. And of course, Ernie Johnson is uh, is there with some uh, TNT presentation in between uh, quarters and, and having to, that PA announcer, of course. And yeah, I mean, uh, Richmond, a Richmond cover is not quite a Jordan cover, but of course, Jordan wasn't in the game apart from being a roster player. Uh, yeah, 97. I, I respect that. That's a, um, it's, again, maybe not a popular pick, but I think... Uh, maybe overlooked maybe slightly underrated well live 97 um feels very similar to nba live 98 as far as like like the way the players move and the way they look on the floor and everything um you know the way the players are shooting and everything it feels so like if you like live 98 um you're more than likely going to feel pretty good on the sticks when you're playing live 97 now live 98 where it excelled is it added more um ability to you know execute different dribble moves it added um even better presentation more enhanced presentation and whatnot um a live 98 i would prefer over live 97 but as far as you know jumping on the sticks and having a fun experience and especially at the time with the unique stuff that they were doing and trying um yeah i, I that's that's probably a no-brainer for him at that point, because, you know, if you're playing NBA Live 97 after playing maybe NBA Live 96 and you can see that big jump in some of the presentation elements, uh, then you could be sold on that just for that, to be completely honest with you. One downside of, of Live 97 PC, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this in playing it, but it's very difficult to get blocks. I mean, it was arguably too easy in 95 and 96. But 97, blocks are pretty hard to come by. I didn't notice that, actually. I'd have to go um, revisit NBA Live 97 now because you said that, so thank you. gives me a reason to go back and put it on. Um, no, I didn't remember that. No, we'll, we'll need, we need to get that set up on your on your PC as well, so uh, we'll get that set up and play. And uh, But I always remember having a very tough time trying to block the CPU. It, it might be different in uh, user versus user, but my cousin and I were playing a season with that. And, and trying to even average 
a block per game with uh, Sean Kemp, which he, he did average over a block per game at that time, uh, was very difficult. So uh, that'd be interesting to revisit and see if, uh, if if maybe I was just playing it poorly or if there was a bit of an issue with uh, with blocking. But uh, compared to 90, uh, 95, 96, and then 98 that came after it, uh, yeah, it does seem to be a bit stingy on the uh, on the blocks. Yeah, but another thing we also remember about NBA Live 97 is that funky presentation, that 90s-esque presentation absolutely um with the font and the colors no capitals stuff like that boy it's nothing i don't think anything screams mid 90s more than nba live 97 presentation agreed agreed uh thugnificent at sean underscore petaway on twitter uh the nostalgia in me wants to say live 2005 but i think i got to go with live 15 the soundtrack chilling with my homies in the party ultimate team and all that yeah i gotta go with 15 yeah, I mean, 14 was a disappointment, but 15, played a lot of 15. I still owe those highlights, I know, from my Ultimate Team. Uh, so I can get on board with that at 100%. Yeah, Live 15, um, I've revisited recently, and I even posted uh, highlights on YouTube and on Twitter and whatnot and show those off. Um, yeah, it's surprisingly fun to revisit at times and you know connect with people on Parsec. I definitely enjoy the game a lot more when I'm playing another human as opposed to playing the computer, which is normally the case. But you know, if you look at the presentation and you look at Breen and Van Gundy, uh, um, you know, announcing and the great crowd reaction and the improved graphics from NBA Live 14, you know, it actually looks like a next gen game. It actually looks like it should um, on a PS4 etc and some of the animations they did on the shots which i think are incredibly underrated like kyle corver shoots his and shot animation looks exactly like kyle corver it's actually a lot more realistic than what 2k has for kyle corver over the years in, in nba 2k 22 um live 15 definitely has an arcade fun element to it and it did have a strong presentation so i can see that and uh our friend vf baller uh says between 06 and 10 it's a toss-up I can certainly relate to that. And also mentions Finn is underrated as well. So some more love for 15 there. And 06 and 10, yeah, those are two of my all-time favorites. 06 PC uh, being a you know, personal favorite. And, and as I've said before, my uh, my pick for the uh, for the top in the series. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Never surprised when I hear people bring up NBA Live 2006 or Live, 2000, or, or Live 10 because those are two of the pop, most popular games in the series. So, yeah, not a big surprise at all at NBA Live BR and Studio 33 can, of course, uh, both say NBA Live 2003. Uh, NBA Live BR says, my heart says 2003 for emotional reasons mainly. And uh, Studio says uh, 2003, freestyle control was the first time you could do something besides play out of the basket. Yeah, having that right stick dribbling, not just hitting a button and hoping for the right dribbling move to be uh, to be selected, uh, was such a big deal. I mean, I mean, it, it was truly revolutionary. They uh, advertised as such on the on the back of the box, on the back of the jewel case for, uh, I believe, for the PC version as well. Uh, huge step forward. It, it speaks volumes that that has become such a standard part of controls in basketball games, and that 2K, even after it had surpassed Live and was the clear, clearly the uh, the brand leader and driven Live into the dirt. Of course, Live did it to itself as well to a certain extent, but 2K had. Was, was far and away the, the brand leader, and yet it still adopted right stick dribbling uh, after live had gone away. Well, what's super unique about it for the time was getting your defender to be like reacting to your lean or to your first step um, and to, to your spin move. Like they reacted more 
like real life than we had ever seen before. Like if you go back and play NBA Live 2000, one of my favorite NBA Live um, games of all time, they're not really reacting to any of your dribbling moves ever, right? It's very, like you do a spin move or a crossover, um, you might get by them, but really they're not reacting to you. Um, and if you don't get by them, you're just like brick wall. Like that's like the way it worked in the games before freestyle. But when you're playing NBA Live 2003 and you're using that right stick and let's say you have your dribble, um, you haven't lost your dribble yet and you have um, the ball picked up and you like lean one way and explode, like your defender you'll either get the defender on your side or he'll like stumble or you'll, you'll get him off balance in some way. And it's like back at the time we're like, Whoa, we've never seen that before. You know what I mean? We've never seen the defense react to a move. Like, I feel like this is real life, triple threat. And then you go back to the way you're playing in real life. And you're like, I do these jab steps in real life. I can now do them in the game. Oh, I lean one way and then go the opposite way in real life and wrong foot the other the defender now i can do this in the video game oh i can palm the ball and i can put um you know hold it out so it was an absolute game changer for the time so i wouldn't be surprised i i was not excuse me i was not surprised to see multiple people mention nba live 2003 as their favorite and uh, we have another vote for live 09 from per dxdo uh live 09 a friend and i used to play the quick team draft mode or what it was called a lot uh that would be uh fantasy that was quick uh, quick pick play Episode nine. It became fantasy teams in uh, in live ten. Uh, you and I obviously uh, playing that a lot. Uh, we we manually pick teams, but uh, the the you can actually do the uh, random quick pick was was uh, another way to do that. So that uh, can definitely be a lot of fun. Uh, and the game had licensed FIBA teams, which was also cool. Yeah, the FIBA teams is something that's kind of overlooked these days. That that was a big deal at the time. Uh, it, it looked like if you go, as I've said before, if you go through the original databases for Live 08 PC, you can see that they were looking to do retro teams because there's the 96 Bulls, the 86 Celtics, and that that becomes before the FIBA teams in the uh, uh, in the database. So my speculation is that they were trying to do that. That fell through, and then they got the FIBA license. Uh, or, or maybe they were working on it at the same time and they ended up only being able to do FIBA, but it looks like they added the FIBA uh, content after those uh, retro teams that fell through. But yes, yeah, so the FIBA teams in 08 and, of course, carried over to uh, to 09. Uh, they expanded the from the eight in uh, eight teams in NBA Live 08 to the 24 teams in uh, in 09. Of course, they brought in Australia, which was uh, which I enjoyed uh, very much, obviously. Uh, yeah, that, that was a big deal. Speaking of which, I recently put on NBA Live 09 and put the Argentina team out on the floor and guess who's on that team our good friend fabio walter herman of course so i was able to use him um and whatnot so definitely a good touch great art on those teams with the jerseys etc and you can tell they definitely put a lot of effort into having those teams uh, in the game so no definitely cool that you know he was able to use those teams and i've connected with per dxdo recently on nba 2k13 we've played some arcade games together and everything this kid, this is a cool guy, um, and he's really good at the games as well. So it's been really good, um, you know, connecting with him. And uh, Emoli ninety one Emoli in the forum. Uh, my favorite would be NBA Live Six on PC. Solid all around gameplay. Tried to innovate with Free Soul Superstars. Improved Dynasty mode. Quite deep from what I remember. All Star Weekend. Decent good commentary. Plus had lots of mods. Yeah, that pretty much sums up why I love O uh, Six. Uh, I think Free Soul Superstars is kind of overlooked. It, it was it was a uh, an admirable effort for the time to get that uh, play differentiation in there. And of course, in 06, you can also turn it off as well. You can just disable everybody's movesets and play it kind of like an enhanced version of uh, Life 2005. It did add a few new wrinkles to Dynasty mode, did bring back All-Star Weekend, added a couple of extra dunks uh, to that as well, kind of flew under the radar. 
and had uh, Marv Albert and Steve Kerr, what's definitely a great commentary team. We did do a lot of mods back, back in the day. So, yeah, I, I think that really sums up the uh, why Live 06 on PC is uh, is my favorite as well. The depth, right? Yeah. I mean, the gameplay, if the gameplay is good or great and you have the depth, that's a home run. And that's why NBA Live 06 is so popular is because it had all that depth and that customization, um, the deep gameplay with the freestyle superstars. Um, and, you know, it's when you have when you have that much depth and it matches the quality of the gameplay, then, you know, you've done well. And we have uh, Q, Eric, from the NLC team, QB1120, of course. Uh, 2005 and 06 for PC has to be like top three in everyone's list. Certainly mine. Uh, for me, Live 2000, because I had Live 98 and they had brought Jordan back for this one and they added the one-on-one mode, but it was still close enough to 98 before they completely changed for 2001. Uh, I have a hard time appreciating the older ones because of no Toronto and Vancouver teams. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree that everybody has to have 0506 or 06 in their um, top three or whatever. Um, I don't, um, but I definitely know what he's talking about. He loves those games, right? Yeah. So he wants to stand by them. Um, so... No, it's very interesting, the Toronto and Vancouver thing. I've said this on the podcast before. When we first got Toronto and Vancouver in the NBA, and it was announced and they unveiled the logos and all that stuff, I thought it was silly. I was like, really? The Grizzlies and the Raptors? We're going to do that? What are we dumbing down the NBA? What is this? Like, it's like Disney or something? And then once they started playing and I saw the courts and I saw the, um, and I got used to it, I started loving it. I was like, the Vancouver Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors are awesome. Like, I love their logos. I love their jerseys. I love the course, all of that stuff. I love the players. I was a Damon Stoudemire fan. I, you know, I liked Marcus Camby and I liked the, the makeshift teams they had because of the draft and, and all of the expansion draft and all of that stuff. Um, loved Greg Anthony on the Grizzlies, Bryant Reeves, etc. And um, yeah, you, you, I ended up loving them. But yeah, when they first when they first came together, and, you know, I looked around, I was like, oh, we're adding new teams, but we're calling them the, the Toronto Raptors and Vancouver Grizzlies and thought, thought it was silly. But, yeah, I couldn't have been more wrong. It's funny how we get those, those new names. And the same thing came with Bobcats as well and Pelicans, obviously. And, and we say, oh, those are dumb names. But then we've also... I still don't like Pelicans. I still don't like Pelicans. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's the Pelican whatever. state, but... Um... Yeah, I know. Pelicans, though? Well, here's the thing. At least a Pelican is a thing. What's a Laker? I mean, a, a Clipper is a, is a ship obviously but again lakers clippers trailblazers are these really necessarily great names in the in and of themselves or is it just because we're used to them i think they're great i don't care clippers go clippers i'm just kidding i'm not really a big clippers fan um, even though there are no lakes in la or at least at least fewer, <laughs> at least fewer lakes in minnesota anyway yeah i think a lot of it is because we're used to them um and yeah. and whatnot and i think that like like you said clippers like you know we grew up not knowing what the hell, why they were called the Clippers, but we just knew the knew of them as a Clipper, so we didn't think it was stupid or silly or whatnot. So no, I, I definitely agree. I, I have to mention this. So Pelicans, come on, Pelicans. It doesn't. <laughs> there's no good ring to to Pelicans. Hey, hey, at least it gave Charlotte the Hornets back. So you know we've got to give. Yeah, them that's. Back. Good. Yeah, that's uh, good. I, I do have to mention that way back in the day in the forum, uh, somebody asked if uh, Clippers referred to hair clippers, and, and, and was that why Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson tapped their headbands? So that was. I always oh, remember, oh, I remember that great. post because it always stuck, stuck out to me that they thought it meant hair clippers. I'm like, no. Did you do that when you played basketball? I know you played just like I did. Um, so the Darius Miles, Quinn Richardson thing, um, you know, with putting their two hands up by their head and yeah. whatnot after like a made basket or anything, 
we, I mean, that was a big thing. Like, if you remember correctly, um, we would do that when playing. My buddy Craig and I would do that when we played like out on the blacktop um, or, um, you know, we were playing in a men's league or something like that. We would do that every now and then for fun. Uh, but boy, was that, that was popular back then. It really, really was. Now, now, the big thing for for us, uh, circa '96, playing in the uh, in the year six, sixth grade, if you will, uh, playing on the uh, in the playground, uh, was of course uh, the first year that uh, Vita Sabonis came to the NBA, and, and it became a, a a tradition to yell out Sabonis whenever you took a hook shot for some reason. So uh, <laughs> we yelled Hornacek. Mm. Whenever somebody, not when they took a hook shot, but when, whenever we um, shot a three. Um, for some reason, I don't know when. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's because Hornacek had a huge playoff game. So there was a playoff game where Hornacek hit like five or six threes in a quarter or something like that. And for months after, my brothers and I, whenever we went out and shot around or anything like that, we would yell Hornacek whenever we shot a three. Um, so that was a thing within our family. That's something that we did. I do remember doing the uh, raise the roof because I've seen Latrell Sprewell do it after a big dunk, and uh, I've, I've never looked less cool than when I tried to do it myself. But uh, yeah. No, I mean, you didn't look cool when you were wearing the spinners either, the Sprewell spinner, spinners. But, no, yeah. That's right. And finally, we have Tecmo Bowl GGL. Uh, have to go with Live 96 on Super Nintendo. Another vote for the 96. Uh, obviously not even close to being the most polished game, but played a crazy amount of hours on it as a kid, head and shoulders above any basketball game released at the time. And, and this is something, I, I think, a great one to end on here, because... People do forget that NBA Live was the brand leader at some point. And I, I know I brought that up a lot, but it also gets overlooked a lot. But so many times in its heyday, there were other games that were doing cool things as well. And, and some things they were doing that Live didn't have, had features that Live didn't have rather, or, or they were doing something better. Maybe they brought in a commentator before Live did, uh, as I believe Total NBA did, uh, which was um, NBA Shootout, of course, in the, everywhere but, but the Power Regions. So, so there were games that were doing great things, and, and obviously the, the early 2K games and uh, NBA Fast Break 98 slash NBA Action 98. But I think as far as that over, overall polished, all-around package, live in its heyday was the most consistent, best-designed game across the board, and I stick by that. For, for many years, throughout its heyday, live was just, even if there were some things that the other games were doing a little bit better, or they had a mechanic that live didn't have yet, the overall package, I think live was the best and rightfully the brand leader for, for many years. Yeah, I mean, NBA Live screamed NBA. It screamed the NBA from a presentation standpoint, um, from an attempted authenticity standpoint, um, from a likeness standpoint, from an advertiser standpoint. Like it had, it just screamed NBA more than the other titles um it also had more customization than the other titles back then um you know when you start with nba live 2000 it ended up having the legends right and the legends pool um it had multi-user seasons and more stuff you could do with that with the fantasy draft and everything um it had deeper modes more content better overall presentation than the other games out there um and the gameplay was often loose, fast, and fun. And that's what you wanted out of a basketball game. But it just screamed NBA at the time. And that's what people loved, right? That's what kids loved. That's what young adults loved, etc. They loved the NBA. Um, and nothing screamed it more than NBA Live. And it established so many staples. You look at how they did season mode back in the day. A lot of other games had a season mode, of course. But there was something weird about it, or it, it didn't really have 
uh, like you didn't have transactions, for example, you couldn't trade players and adjust lineups, or they had an integrated roster editing slash uh, season mode, like like uh, Kobe Bryant NBA courtside, the first one, there's one roster save, one season save, and they share the same custom rosters. So it, there's, there's this weirdness there that you look at Live 98 was just already doing season mode so well, and they tried to do something else, and it was just not not good. Um, it, it is weakness in that game. So there's a lot of th- things like that that Live established the approach, and of course, right stick dribbling and everything with Live 2003 onwards. So when people say that Live brought nothing to the table or that it was never good or, or anything like that, uh, I, I think that they're, uh, you know, they can talk about us being blinded by nostalgia. I, I think they're kind of, uh, they're blinded by by hatred or, or, or you know, a, a, or a dislike of the, of the brand. You know, it's... I think one of those things, though, Andrew, is that you almost had to be there, right? Because what they know right now is that everybody's looking forward to 2K and then everybody's talking about it, right? Sure. But back then it was NBA live is what we were talking about. It's the the brand that we saw commercials on. It's the brand that um, we would see in magazines and everything. It's what we were looking forward to. We couldn't wait for the next NBA live. So it's one of those things where sometimes it's operating off of ignorance and it's not even like chosen ignorance either. A lot of the time, it's just, they weren't alive for that time. Um, So I think it's hard for some of these younger kids today and, and young adults to grasp um, you know, the emotional aspect of the, you know, uh, of NBA Live at the time. And they weren't there to see all of the advertising, you know, them putting NBA Live in everybody's living rooms and, you know, all the conversations that centered around um, NBA Live and the game that we were having on it. So I think that that's the way I look at it. I think a lot of it is just these kids just don't know and they may never know and they'll never get the picture painted the way we did when, because we were around for it. Well, that, that is true. There are a few veterans that uh, have pop, still pop up from time to time in the forum who, who were around for it, but never always seem to never really like NBA Live or, or they never really appreciate it. And it's funny, you look back at some of their complaints and you think, wow, if only you could see, if only you knew how good we had it at the time. But there was one in particular who who sort of really threw live under the bus, and he always seemed to have these um, the harshest criticisms. And he he was very entertaining for a while in the original forums, the black and blue forums, as we call them, the, the uh, discus uh, forums. Uh, but kind of went a bit strange in, in later years, and and uh, a bit bitter and jaded. But uh, uh, never you know would show up after a while and, and claim that his posts have been deleted. And like, no, you haven't, man. You haven't been around for a few months. They've fallen off the front page. That's all. We're not censoring you. Is bit of a weird fellow unfortunately but uh, uh i suppose that's where it comes down to but but there were some people at the time that didn't didn't really appreciate nba live uh, i guess it was it was at the same time uh it, it was the new game it had all the expectations on it so some some of us were perhaps hypercritical you look again looking back at some of the things we said about live 2003 at the time so uh, i i guess that's that's gaming in a nutshell you know we, we we take it very seriously at times and uh and can be very harsh in our critiques but you go back and you play those games and you see NBA Live at its height. I mean, you look at it at its lowest, it's got some pretty bad games and some that were so bad they didn't come out, obviously. But the best games in the NBA Live series hold up. There's a reason that we've been playing them as of, of late. And, you know, you threw out the question and, and clearly there's a lot of nostalgia there and even some younger people who were got into the series, got into basketball gaming around the early 2000s. You know, we were well-established as basketball gamers, you and I, by that point. But they're just getting into it at the time. And you can see the nostalgia they have for NBA Live games from those early 2000s. Yeah, it it speaks for itself. Thank you to everybody who answered the mailbag. There was a lot of people who jumped in right away to talk. Because I think people have nostalgia, rightfully so. uh, But they like to talk about what they 
love to play and what their favorite game is and everything and, and why it's their favorite game. And they like to tout their favorites. Right. Absolutely. So um, it was awesome how many people jumped in right away and gave responses. And, you know, for those people who are kind of hanging on to hope about NBA live and that EA sports will uh, release another NBA live over the next couple of years, you know what? I'm right there with you. Um, I'm not a fan of the way they've handled the series. Um, but I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I'm so mad at them that I like, Oh, cancel it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, don't release one. Like, I'm not I'm not at that point. I still wish people could have another option in the basketball sim gaming space. And I do hope that it's NBA Live that comes back in the future. Same here. And I think the uh, we, we've seen what happens when one company has a monopoly and the results speak for themselves. Oh, no, 100 um, percent. And look how much that's caused a problem over the last four or five years with the nba 2k series and i don't see it getting better anytime soon we need competition in the space and we hope that it returns sometime in the not too distant future but uh, thank you again to everyone who responded to the question we will be throwing out that mailbag question each and every week but that has brought us to the end of episode 426 of the nlc podcast uh good to be back on the air derek after a, a week off i'm glad you're feeling better um I, I did miss recording i told you that um uh, it, I don't think we had missed a week in what 120 weeks, 125 weeks, something around there. Um, but your health is, of course, the most important thing. So the, the fact that you're feeling better is is incredibly important, and I'm happy for that. So um, I'm glad that we were able to record this week. It is a longer episode, but um, hopefully people will tune in and listen to the whole show. Yes, we do invite you to tune into the show each and every week. The show comes out on Sundays on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com, of course. You can also find us on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just to name a few. On those platforms, search for NLSC Podcast, look around logo, that will be us. And of course, you can tune in on our YouTube channel. And as we wrap up here, Derek, as always, I'll throw it over to you to promote your socials so that we can connect with our lovely listeners. Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter at D for 384 and at D for 3G. I am on YouTube D for 3 and also on the NLSC as a team member D for 3. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. Our aforementioned YouTube channel is youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, NBA Live.com. For everything we do in basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.